We're back, baby. Woo, we are back. We are back, back, back. How's everybody doing tonight? Everyone feeling good? Just living in the dream that is our capitalist reality. Just take a little sniff. Take a little sniff of that good stuff. It's all good, baby. Um, oh, look, it's me. Welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. We got an interesting one for all of you. I hope you've all been good. I think it's been like two weeks since last time uh, I was able to do this. Uh, let's let's get into it. Let's talk. How's everyone doing? How's life treating everybody? What is uh, new and exciting? I'm coming back from work, and work was a lot, and continues to be a lot. Speaking of work, how do people feel about their connection to it in the current society that we're in, under the current system that we're in? Uh, Is there a tendency for people to start feeling alienated from the work that they're doing Is there a tendency for people to start feeling like they are not capable of work at all, whether that's actually being capable or not? Uh, Unless anyone really wants to see me right now, I'm going to turn off the camera. I just wanted to show that I'm wearing a suit and I'm a fancy boy. But uh, I like not always having to look at myself whenever I am uh, (laughs) talking. Uh, But be assured it is still me. The voice has not been taken over by an AI. But there's a tendency, I think, in in today's society um, for people to feel disconnected from their work, for people to feel as if um, almost physically and emotionally incapable of continuing to do certain types of work. And there's a tendency for us to look at that inability to work or that that uh you know that I just can't do itness to some of the jobs that people are doing and to completely individualize it and there's a tendency to individualize a lot of our personal failings even calling them personal failings right When we talk about things like uh, depression, when we talk about things like uh, social isolation, uh, when when we are not uh, in tune with with one another, uh, a lot of the solutions to a lot of these problems are sort of put on us. Uh, Why are you depressed? Well, you're depressed because you have a chemical imbalance in your brain and you had a difficult family life. But there's never really an analysis of the conditions, the systemic conditions, the societal conditions, which led to you to perhaps having a difficult family life, which led to the chemical imbalance in your brain. Uh, And the same is true with just about everything, your connection to work, uh, It's a you problem. 
It's never a, an analysis, again, of the system which led you to feel alienated from your work. And I know I'm kind of all over the place right now, but I promise it's going to make sense. Uh, what if I told you that applying a systemic analysis to your individualized condition could oftentimes yield a more accurate answer as to how you got here in the first place. Would that blow your mind? Well, if you've uh, been paying attention to anything that's been happening on the left, it really shouldn't. Uh, and this is nothing new. The, what, what I really want to talk about tonight is a book, a very short book, uh, by a, a man named Mark Fisher, which talks about this concept, basically. How uh, the system of capitalism is creating these individualized sicknesses and how one of the strengths of the system of capitalism is individualizing these uh, these problems, is, is taking these problems and disguising them so thoroughly that a lot of the times when we're blaming, uh, when we're examining even the causes of the problems, we miss the a critique of capitalism entirely. And this applies to a lot of different things. It's not just mental health. It's not just your inability to feel anything at work. And it's not just your uh, isolation from community. It's, it's a system which is so centrally decentralized that imagining both its end and understanding its effects on us as a society as a whole become uh, damn near impossible. So why don't we just get into it? Because right now I can see, I, I could feel myself, my brain going everywhere right now. I know people are going to want to talk about this. Uh, but let, let let me describe some of this some of this book. So this book by Mark Fisher is called Capitalist Realism. Is there no alternative? And I think the book is best summarized by a quote that uh, Mark Fisher attributes to uh, Frederick Jameson and Slavoj Zizek. And that quote is: "It is easier to imagine an end to the world than an end to capitalism." So what is the capitalist realism book? Uh, well, in this book, Mark Fisher argues that the concept of capitalist realism, which is defined as the widespread belief that capitalism is the only viable political and economic system, that this concept has become so deeply ingrained in contemporary society that it has foreclosed the possibility of imagining alternatives. And Fisher traces the development of capitalist realism 
argues that it is responsible for many of the social and political problems of our time and suggests ways in which it might be challenged. So one of the key takeaways from this work is that neoliberal capitalism has produced a kind of cultural stagnation, which is characterized by a lack of imagination and a pervasive sense of disillusionment. Fisher suggests that the prevalence of the, quote, end of history, end quote, narrative in the wake of the collapse of the Soviet Union has contributed to a sense of inevitability, both about the triumph of capitalism uh, and that has in turn led to a kind of cultural malaise. So capitalism seamlessly occupies the horizons of the thinkable and that as a result, there is little room for imagining alternatives. And it's not just this idea of the, the little room to imagining alternatives, a cultural stagnation, something that he calls a, a, a hauntological cultural form. And a couple of different philosophers, uh, including, I think, was it uh, God? One, one of them French guys <laughs> have, have described like a hauntology before. Um, but how it's... It, it's it, it, ontology. It's basically characterized by a sense of like nostalgia for a lost past, past and a longing for a future that seems forever out of reach. Uh, and Fisher argues that this kind of culture is symptomatic of the in, of the inability to imagine alternatives to the existing social and economic system. So we fall into a cultural loop because we're constantly looking backwards and we fail to imagine a different future because the bounds of our imagination and every solution that we think of for that imagination are all within the bounds of capitalism. And that's how capitalist realism, that's what makes it so uh, pernicious. That's what makes it so nasty is its ability to sort of limit that imagination. And there are particular examples that Fisher really goes into here. Um, the first of which is Fisher really argues about how this capitalist realism has led to a widespread sense of anxiety and depression. And he sees this anxiety and depression as being closely tied to the precarity of contemporary work and the erosion of job security and the other constant pressures that are found from capitalism, the constant pressure to perform and the insecurity of employment in the neoliberal era and the, the sense of even being an adequate performer is not enough. And he brings up office space and the scene with the pieces of flair. For those of you who haven't seen office space, it's, it's a spoiler alert ahead, okay? but I think it's a, a fantastic analogy. There's a scene where Jennifer Aniston, her character in Office Space, is working at basically what amounts to a Friday's, right? Like a, uh, you know, TGI Friday's or whatever, that rest, chain restaurant, 
And if you've ever been to a Friday's, one of the things that all of the waiter, waiters and waitresses have, at least the last time I went to a Friday's, they still had it. But they wear like these fun suspenders and these fun outfits with all these different pins on them, you know, like uh, pins of different characters and different things, you know, pins. I, I don't know if people still do pins nowadays, but, you know, like the uh, the kind of pin that you would get at a political rally or something like that. But all kinds of different pins. They wear them all over their outfits. And these are their pieces of flair. And each one of their pins that they wear on a uniform is meant to express part of their personality, to show that they're fun in some way, or they have these interests or that interest, depending on the pin. And in Office Space, there's a scene where Jennifer Aniston is working at basically a Friday's. And the requirement at work is for her to wear seven pieces of flair. So seven pins to show her personality. And her boss comes up to her and has a little conversation with her because Jennifer Aniston is wearing exactly seven pieces of flair. And her boss isn't happy about this. Her boss is saying, well, you know, if you only wear the seven pieces of flair, then people are going to think you're an underachiever, that you're doing the bare minimum. And Jennifer Anderson's character says, well, if you want me to wear more pieces of flair, tell me, raise the minimum number of the pieces of flair. But that kind of like anxiety, that kind of ridiculousness about uh, job performance and, and connection to work and how if this was supposed to be a true expression of your personality or your values, then why would there be the minimum there to begin with? Why would there be the compulsion that you have to do it? Uh, but that's part of the, the trap. That's part of the anxiety and, the, the, and, and that's part of the pressure that is creating the pervasive sense of anxiety and depression and being trapped. And, and Fisher goes into the depression angle more and really talks about how under capitalism, even the solutions to something like depression are always addressed on the individual level. There's never really a, a systemic anal or analysis of the conditions that may be creating these rises in the number of depressed people, increasing the number of depressed people. Instead, it's always no, you, uh, your brain has a chemical imbalance and your own family history probably has something to do with this. But what, it, what depression is not under capitalism and what it can never be is a societal endemic, something that is, that is proliferating and growing because of the pressures that are being caused by the system, because of the inadequacy of the system to actually meet the needs and, and uh, fulfill the humanity of the people who are under it. And in order to challenge capitalist realism, Fisher argues that we need to break out of the cultural loop that has been created by the dominance of neoliberalism. And suggests, he makes some suggestions about uh, ways that we can do this ways that we can imagine alternatives because it's only by imagining alternatives which are broken out 
and free of the sense of inevitability that surrounds the current system, it's only when we do that that we can actually find solutions to these uh, problems. And I think one, one of the places I really want to focus on here um, is, is, is this kind of post-Fordism that he talks about. Because obviously we're, we're not here just to talk about how bad or isolating capitalism can be. What we want to know is how, how the fuck do we get out of this? How do you actually challenge that system? If it's inevitable to imagine, or if, it, if it's that difficult to imagine alternatives to the system and how even the solutions that you come up with are typically solutions which fit within the system as it's been uh, programmed to, to function, then you know, how, do you, how do you break out? I think one of the things I found really interesting was this, this idea of post-Fordism. So Fordism is basically the the Ford, you know, Henry Ford, the, the fucking car guy who uh, was also a, a super Nazi, which is, uh, you know, go figure, you know, go figure that uh, a guy like that would be a fascist who is horizontally and vert vertically integrating his factories in the car market and uh, whatever. Uh, but... Uh, Post-Fordism is basically a method of production that is not just based off of uh, production methods which are meant to increase volume and increase the, uh, the bottom line, the bottom dollar. It's, it's basically a, a post-Fordism is used to describe uh, flexible production methods mostly the individualization of labor relations and sort of the fragmentation of markets into different uh, segments. Is this making sense, people? All you need to know about post-Fordism really is that uh, it challenges, like, like uh, communism is supposed to and like socialism is supposed to, it challenges what our relation to labor or what laborers relations to production should be. Um, so it's, 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 it's one in which the, or as Fisher puts it is, is there needs to be an understanding that in relation to labor in particular, uh, there needs to be, a, a way out of the binary of motivation and demotivation. So particularly what Fisher says is that what must be discovered is a way out of the motivation, demotivation binary so that disidentification from the control program registers as something other than dejected apathy. Does that make sense? Maybe I should read more of that because you, it kind of makes it seem like you need to know what dejected apathy, apathy is here. Uh, look, let's just say, let's just say this, okay? Uh, one of the strategies that he's talking about here that laborers can be using is to sort of move away from unions' traditional focuses of increasing pay 
and instead putting their discontent and their specific asks into things that are post Fordism ish. So more time off, more sick leave, uh, more time, more of their time being with families, more people being staffed on the same train, better working conditions. Those are things which are almost by their nature antithetical to, to capitalism because they are things that are not just focused on the production of, you know, commodities, but instead on the lifestyle of the people who, as they would want to live outside of the production of those commodities, having more time with their family, right? Which, you know, Fisher also talks about how this time with family is something that is attacked so heavily under capitalism and how that in itself is such a huge contradiction created by a capitalist system. Because the time with family, for example, is it's like one of the few safe havens potentially that people can have. Uh, it's one of the few places where it's not about, uh, you know, it's not just about the money. It's, it's the most basic building block of a community. Starts with familial ties and the strength of those ties potentially, right? Theoretically, I know that some people's families are not like that, but how the family too, under a capitalist mode of production is a necessary institution because you need more laborers. And to get more laborers, you gotta have families because people gotta fuck. You gotta make kids. But how capitalism is only pro-family insofar as it goes to creating and proliferating uh, children. But it also wants to get the parents out of the house, both of them in a factory or both of them in a workplace and just working. So it's, it's you know, it's a struggle of this, this system sort of eating itself, right? Um. I'm going to get through a few more points and then maybe we can just talk about it. Uh, but I, I do want to hit on a couple of other things because I feel like there, there are parts of this book that are really, they make a lot more sense when they're read. And it's hard for me to uh, adequately summarize some of the bigger points in this. So I'll just read this, this portion from chapter two, uh, just about how, uh, capitalist realism is one uh, how capitalism is very good at creating inaction, how it's very good at creating these solutions to its own problems, but solutions in name only, uh, how it is pernicious in its ability to disguise the fact that uh, shit is not changing that it can make it look like we're doing shit, like there's activism happening, but it robs the, uh, the, the activism of any of its actual bite. Because the only shit, the, the, if there's one takeaway I can get, I could get you to take away from this book, like the only shit that actually will challenge the system of capitalism are solutions which exist outside of it. You have to break your mind out of the, uh, 
the idea that you need to be realistic. Right? Like, fuck, f- fuck that. You don't need to be realistic. What you need to be is particular and, and pointed about what your demands are. And if you can understand those demands, really, then you can understand that a lot of the things that we all want are things that already necessarily conflict with a capitalist mode of production. You know, when you're talking about things like more paid time off, more time to be with my family, more time to build community, uh, access to healthcare. These are things that are all just anti-capitalist in and of themselves because the idea or the, 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 the outcome of these things is not to generate more profit. It's to generate more uh, sort of life-affirming humanity. So here's one example from, uh, this is from chapter two of, of, of capitalist realism, but uh, so Fisher here is talking about how there are some things within capitalism, which take the form of a kind of super identification with capital at its most quote, pitiless, pitilessly predatory, but this need not be the case. So first he's talking about all the cultural influences and all the cultural things that come under capitalism, which are, you know, about like reinforcing capitalism, anything that has to do with, oh, I stack paper to the ceiling and ride on 24 inch Chrome or whatever, or I, my house is bigger. Here's my house hunters. I got this new marble uh, countertop, suck my ass. You know, that's, that's all stuff that reinforces the, the commodity the, the commodity consumption, the consumerist behavior that capitalism needs from us to sustain itself. But it's not just that kind of behavior. It's also that, you know, capitalist realism is very far from precluding a certain anti-capitalism. So I'll read this passage. After all, and as Zizek has provocatively pointed out, Anti-capitalism is widely disseminated in capitalism. Time after time, the villain in Hollywood films will turn out to be the evil corporation. Far from undermining capitalist realism, this gestural anti-capitalism actually reinforces it. Take Disney Pixar's WALL-E from 2008. The film shows an earth so despoiled that human beings are no longer capable of inhabiting it. We're left in no doubt that consumer capitalism and corporations, or rather one mega corporation, by and large, is responsible for this depredation. And when we see eventually, and when and when we see eventually the human beings in off-world exile, they are infantile and obese, interacting via screen interfaces, carried around in large motorized chairs, and supping indeterminate slop from cups. What we have here is a vision of control and communication, much as Jean Baudrillard understood it, in which subjugation no longer takes the form of a subordination to an extrinsic spectacle, but rather invites us to interact and participate. It seems that the cinema audience is itself the object of this satire, which prompted some right-wing observers to recoil in disgust, condemning Disney Pixar for attacking its own audience. 
But this kind of irony feeds rather than challenges capitalist realism. A film like Wally exemplifies what Robert Pafaller has called interpassivity. The film performs our anti-capitalism for us, allowing us to continue to consume with impunity. The role of capitalist ideology is not to make an explicit case for something in the way that propaganda does, but to conceal the fact that the operations of capital do not depend on any sort of subjectively assumed belief. It is impossible to conceive of fascism or Stalinism without propaganda, but capitalism can proceed perfectly well, in some ways better, without anyone making a case for it. Zizek's counsel here remains invaluable. If the concept of ideology is the classic one in which the illusion is located in knowledge, he argues, then today's society must appear post-ideological. The prevailing ideology is that of cynicism. People no longer believe in ideological truth. They do not take ideological propositions seriously. The fundamental level of ideology, however, is not of an illusion masking the real state of things, but that of an unconscious fantasy structuring our social reality itself. And at this level, we are, of course, far from being post, a post-ideological society. Cynical distance is just one way to blind ourselves to the structural power of ideological fantasy, even if we do not take things seriously, even if we keep an ironical distance, we are still doing them. So capitalist ideology in general, Zizek maintains, consists precisely in the overvaluing of belief, in the sense of inner subjective attitude, at the expense of the beliefs we exhibit and externalize in our behavior. So long as we believe in our hearts that capitalism is bad, we are free to continue to participate in capitalist exchange. According to Zizek, capitalism in general relies on this structure of disavowal. We believe that money is, the, is only a meaningless token of no intrinsic worth, yet we act as if it has a holy value. Moreover, this behavior precisely depends upon the prior disavowal. We are able to fetishize money in our actions only because we already we have already taken an ironic distance towards money in our heads. So a lot there, sure. But the main point that I think we should take away from that is really how this there's there are systems within capitalism itself just in the way it functions that do not require like a centralized propaganda machine in order for it to keep functioning because what capitalism has a, a unique and and profound ability to do is to incorporate our critiques within it and give us a sense of uh performative uh, uh um release in allowing these critiques to even be made and put into art and 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 given a voice to where the actual praxis which we would be doing i'm sorry the practice which we would be doing to dismantle the system is itself that hunger to do that is satiated by this ideology or this 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 performative artwork that's anti-capitalist within capitalism itself and this lack of centralization is a big fucking deal 
with capitalism. It's actually a real big fucking deal. Uh, later on in this book, and this book, I, I highly suggest everyone read it. It's a little heady, but fuck, man. Let's just read. Let's read. You know, like, fuck it. Let's do some reading because it's only 80 pages and there are enough lines in here for even someone like me who does not really engage as much with with some of this more philosophical stuff. Uh, there's enough for me to kind of get the, the juice of it, you know, to understand the, the fucking juice that Fisher's got here. And it's good juice. It's good ass juice. Uh, but when, when we're talking about this, this lack of centralization, right? Uh, I, I, I do want to also mention that Fisher later in this, in this book talks, I think very well about how, Capitalism has this way, too, of centralizing our critiques on the government as opposed to the corporate entities which proliferate the crises. And instead, we, we, we have these uh, criticisms of our government for things like Norfolk Southern, which, uh, you know, the, the train derailments, derailments. Now, we absolutely should have our... Uh, critiques for the government, for Pete Buttigieg and the rest of them for their failure to implement implement uh, safety regulations to fucking stop these, uh, these train derailments and to stop these crises. But we have to remember why these, the government did not regulate these things to begin with. And it goes back again to the corporations which lobbied the government to stop that from happening. It is the corporate capture that is the problem. You do not get the the lack of regulation without the connection to the corporations which caused that lack of rec regulation to begin with. Yet, so often, the corporations themselves are insulated from the critique or they don't bear the full brunt of the critique. Instead, it's put to the, uh, the government or governmental entities or, or, or that kind of thing. And that, too, is similarly one of the, if you're a capitalist, advantages of how capitalism can insulate itself from critique. I mean, take the Wally example one more time, and then I swear, let's just get to callers and stuff, because I can, I can sit here and sort of like get heady all day with it. But let's just take this, this Wally example one more time. The fucking movie is literally about how capitalism is destroying the fucking planet, right? Like, it's literally about how corporations are doing it and we're getting to a point to where the planet is no longer inhabitable. And the movie is this big Pixar hit and literally nothing changes. While that process is happening, literally, on our planet, the disconnect between the, the, the action and the consequence and between the people doing or the corporate entities doing the actions and the consequences they're causing is, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. This is Disney. You know, not exactly a, uh, uh, you know, a really kind company to the to the planet or otherwise. Right. But but 
that's them profiting off of this movie, which is about how bad people like them or corporations like them are. And this book does a really good job of getting into that, like how fucked up that is. And, and this will be the last part I read, but it's about the big other. There's like a whole part about like how we're plugged into the matrix and shit and yada, yada. And, and my notes, if you haven't been able to tell for this are kind of all over the place. Cause a lot of it was just stream of consciousness, me trying to figure this out. Um, I think Russell Brand was reading uh, the audiobook version that I was listening to whenever I wasn't reading it. He'd probably be a much better person to uh, talk about all of this because he seems to live in this zone of, of you know, philosophy and, and, and practice and practice and all these weird kind of, I don't know. It seemed like exactly his vibe, but I, I, I do want to talk about this concept of the big other. Uh which oh, th- just this, 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 this will be the last thing I talk about. Okay. And then I'm taking calls immediately. Um, th- th- oh, God, I, Jonathan, I'll just have you, we'll, we'll, we could talk about the big other and other things, but this is the last thing I want to talk about. Cause I found this fucking fascinating, but he also talks about Fisher also talks about capitalism's ability to create a performance or output where the work that we do or even the goals that we seek within capitalism in our work and in our lives are not towards the production of something itself or not aligned with the ultimate outcome that we want, but instead aligned with the, uh, the like achievements surrounding that outcome. It'll, it'll become a little more uh, concrete once I give some examples, but the, he's basically saying that more effort goes into ensuring that the work is represented correctly than actually improving or doing the work or the service. So the recognition, the, 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 there's a reversal of priorities, which he, in, in what we want to accomplish or what we're said to accomplish in a job versus uh, that, that actual accomplishment yields in its importance to the resume building aspect of that accomplishment? How do we make it look better? How do we sell it? I'll give you an example. There was a a Super Bowl commercial, I think it was Anheuser-Busch a while back where there was some kind of water crisis, I believe. I I believe this was a Michigan water crisis. And they uh, had a Super Bowl ad, if I'm remembering this correctly. Some beer company had a Super Bowl ad about how during a water crisis in the United States, they were dedicating... uh, cans of water. They were delivering cans of water, free cans of water to all the needy people who were over there, right? Great. That's fantastic. It's good. Uh, I think they spent something like a maybe $100,000 on delivering the cans of water. They spent millions to advertise the fact that they were doing it. That's where the actual outcome we want, the actual work that needs to be done is delivering the cans of water, is 
making sure people have clean drinking water. But the priority is to sell the fact that they're giving people water because they're good. Domino's has done this too with like filling up potholes. They're, they had a whole uh, commercial where they were driving around filling up potholes. They spent way more on the advertisement of it. The advertisement aspect of it. And these are, this is some, a concept that um, this reversal of priorities is a concept that Fisher talks about as uh, market Stalinism. And it's uh, what late capitalism repeats from Stalinism is just the valuing of symbols of achievement over actual achievement. And some of the examples he gives are, you know, routine procedures, uh, hospitals pushing routine procedures rather than desperately needed surgeries or treatment because routine procedures are better at hitting the targets of the hospital, the target dollar amounts. Um, he also gives the example of things like, you know, achievement exams, which are meant to boost, you know, show you, you get certain scores to boost the profile of the school rather than, uh, and you're testing for achievements, but you're not a testing. I mean, you're testing for the grade rather than competency or mastery. So the focus on making the grade over mastering the material, which is also leading us to become like dumber. You know, uh, that's exactly what you don't want from an education system. But, uh, uh, and then there's this whole bit about like this phenomena of the fly on the wall, things like opinion polls and documentaries and all of these things, like how, how they create a system in which uh, the fact that one realizes they're being observed changes and molds their behavior to not be what actual reality would be, but to transform into what uh, uh, Baudrillard called hyper-reality. But I won't get into all of that right now. That's I think that's super fascinating, but I've been talking for like 40 minutes. We have a lot of callers. A lot of people have a lot of things to say, I'm sure. Um, but I have to read this last bit. Uh, because it's actually a solution, which, my God, uh, we we need solutions to this shit, for God's sakes. Uh, but, you know, what is what is the left to do if 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 the end of capitalism is harder to imagine than the end of the world? That's not really a hopeful thing to say for a group of people that wants to stop that system. Right that that want things to change for the better that want people to be able to live um so one of the things that fisher says is crucial it's crucial that a genuinely revitalized left confidently occupy the new political terrain that's been sketched here uh what's what's the best what's the best place to go let me just say i'll end it with the hope i say everyone should should read this but what what does he mean by looking at these problems and and confronting them he says quote we must convert widespread mental health problems from medicalized conditions into effective antagonisms 
Affective disorders are forms of captured discontent. This dissatisfaction or dis this disaffection can and must be channeled outwards, directed towards its real cause, capital. Which means uh, we're about to be a bunch of crazy ass motherfuckers attacking capital. Okay, if you got crazy in you, don't treat it. Attack capital. <laughs> That's not actual advice, but honestly, you know, uh, turn it turn it to the right place. You know. Uh, furthermore, the proliferation of certain kinds of mental illness in late capitalism makes the case for a new austerity, a case that is also made by the increasing urgency of dealing with environmental disaster. Nothing contradicts capitalism's constitutive imperative towards growth more than the concept of rationing goods and resources. Yet it is becoming uncomfortably clear that consumer self-regulation and the market will not by themselves avert environmental catastrophe. This is a libidinal as well as a practical case to be made for this new uh, ascesis. The issue is, or, or uh, Oliver, if, as Oliver James, Zizek, Zizek, and Super Danny have shown, that makes sense when you read it, ultimately license, unlimited license leads to misery and disaffection. Then limitations placed on, the, on desire are likely to quicken rather than deaden it. In any case, rationing of some sort is inevitable. The issue is whether it will be collectively managed or whether it will be imposed by authoritarian means when it is already too late. Quite what forms this collective management should take is, again, an open question, one that can only be resolved practically and experimentally. The long dark night of the end of history has to be grasped as an enormous opportunity. The very oppressive pervasiveness of capitalist realism means that even glimmers of alternative political and economic possibilities can have a disproportionately great effect. The tiniest event can tear a hole in the gray curtain of reaction, which has marked the horizons of possibility under capitalist realism. From a situation in which nothing can happen, suddenly anything is possible again. Uh, fun. Fun, 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 fun. Um, okay, a little bit of a, a sad note to end it on. Uh, this guy, Mark Fisher... Uh, he killed himself. So he's, you know, he died, he hung himself in, was it 2017? Um, shortly before the publication of another book or another work he was writing. But, uh, you know, maybe CIA assassination, who knows? Uh, but honestly, you know, don't let that discourage you from the fact that, uh, I don't know. Maybe his work was just done, you know? And maybe it's on us to, like, take it out and uh, take over and, and go from there. But I, I just like the fact that there is there's a recognition of a lot of the ways that capitalism is able to insulate itself from thoughts of it being changed at all. Um. And how someone like Mark Fisher can just come along, talk about all the problems that the system has, talk very uh, in-depth about why it is that that system seems uh, very difficult to change or 
impossible to change and then say, no, fuck them, change it. So I, I, I tend to be on that side of, of the belief, uh, you know, I don't think it's impossible. And if it is, fuck them. We're doing it anyways because what else? it's the end of history, folks. If we're at the end of all of this, what's the point of not trying? What's the point of getting wild with it? Let's get freaky. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. I bet we could do it. Let's get weird. Uh, okay, let's take some callers. Brady, you've been, uh, you called in within, within uh, 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 the show starting. <laughs> So I'm sure you have a lot on your mind, on your mind. <laughs> as always. Um, I'm wondering if you think that capitalism on its own is toxic or if it's the human impl- the attempted human implementation of capitalism or the failed implementation of it that is actually what's so bad about the idea. No, of the- I, think, I, I, I think capitalism on its own is toxic. I, I, I would have been open to other arguments before, but at this point, I've seen too many examples of the profit motive being completely fucking out of whack with, with the humanity of people and the habitation or the habitability of the planet that it's, to me, it's not just a failure of all these individuals who are implementing capitalism. Now, like it's, it's, it's capitalism. That's, that's the problem. The problem is capitalism. If you keep having the same results happening over and over and over again, if you keep having these externalities, uh, which are hurting people, which are uh, destroying the habitat over and over and over again, regardless of what companies are doing it, then that's your profit incentive. That's your that's your structural problem. That's not just a bunch of evil people in hats and monocles uh, being dicks, you know. Um, Now, markets may have a place. But. I, I'm at the point to where I'm not confident that this system has the ability to fix its own problems because it, it, it's just not showing me any indication that it's doing that. Um, do you think that like pure cap, I'm sorry, pure communism is also toxic as well. And that like socialism is kind of the happy medium between the two. I don't know. I don't know. My, my big thing with socialism I mean, the, the, the main reason I'm not a communist or why I don't think I'm a communist, at least, I really don't know what the fuck I am, guys, but is I, I think there is a power to having a state. I don't necessarily believe that a state should be dissolved or a centralization, uh, some kind of democratic centralization agency that has teeth, that can regulate, that can... Uh, uh, you know, I, maybe maybe it's even the monopoly on violence thing uh, on the legitimate use of violence, because that uh, I, I just feel like communism does not have a. a as far as I know, th- there isn't enough of a regulating body that can make sure that people are not uh, cheating each other you know, and cheating the system. Uh, because, you know, like there, there, there is, I, I, I like self-interest incentives or people being dicks uh, to one another and screwing each other over is not an invention of capitalism. 
it's an invention of, you know, that is something that's happened throughout human history. Uh, Antisocial behavior is not something that is an invention of capitalism. That's something that's happened throughout human history. But uh, I, I, I do think those types of tendencies have been very much exacerbated and cultivated by capitalism. And for whatever comes next, we're going to have to have something in place that uh, curbs against those uh, individual selfish actions, which are uh, making life more difficult for everyone else. So you're still muted. Yeah. um, I think, what do you think the solution is? Just like to everything, thing, capitalism, or a, a better solution to capitalism, or how do we like um, disengage from it? Like, how how far away do you want to disengage from capitalism? Like, because there are some capitalistic aspects of socialism that are like useful, you know. So, like, how do you distinguish between what's like the non toxic and toxic aspects of capitalism? Yeah, you experiment. Number one, you have to be willing to experiment. You have to be willing to first of all. Uh, dispel with the notion that capitalism is the end-all, be-all, best-all system. Fuck that, okay? Uh, there's always room for improvement. So you start from that premise. And then you go into things like, um, I think the first thing, if I was trying to come up with a solution, the first things that you have to do are uh, changing our thoughts about what the fruits of production should be and having a different relation to the technology that is allowing us to produce uh, so much wealth under capitalism, having a more human-centered focus on that production. So for example, what do I mean? I mean, the the incentive right now, the, the, the ultimate outcome of all capitalist modes of production are to make profit. That's it, just to profit. Uh, there need to be uh, systems which are forcibly in place to where the the ultimate goal of a lot of production is to eliminate need. It's just to eliminate necessity. So when it comes to things like um, housing, right, you you start with making sure that everybody is housed. And whatever profits are being made right now, to the extent that they're being made, uh, you appropriate the profits to build houses. Same with uh, certain basic needs, right? Like the the outcome cannot just be to increase shareholder value. Uh, They have to be uh, to increase people's uh, quality of life. So my goal or my, my idea would really be, you know, I, I still think a lot in a regulatory framework, uh, unfortunately, but, you know, lawyer's going to lawyer, you know? So it's a lot of what I, I think needs to be done is increasing power of uh, labor unions, increasing power of, uh, uh, yeah, just labor unions' ability to... Uh, organize and then also challenge 
within the workplaces because you need some of this, some of this has, has, to, has to, be to be decentralized. The ability to right. generate so, right. so, so, right. the ability general to strike, strike is one of them. But yeah, 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 yeah. You need you need people. There, there, there are certain avenues that I think can only help us. One is increasing people's ability to organize and 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 uh, unionize and to act in concert against uh, capital because a lot of the times their their desires are going to be the things that money can't buy. They're going to be the things like time away for their families, which is going to give them more ability to actually build communities and do the like and make the burden and make, make the, the, the people who have to pay for that the capitalists. Uh, two, the other thing I would do is just increase the regulatory framework for uh, – the uh, the government in general i think i think the government's a hard one because the first problem with the government is you need to reform the system in a way to where electoral politics actually fucking matter and not just on a local level so you need to create systems which increase the ability for people to get in office who are not sponsored by corporations and who are not in the pocket of you know uh, uh industry and to do that, I, I do think things like ranked choice voting, uh, uh, there's another one of those things, but incre- doing whatever you can to break up the power of the duopoly, uh, the two-party system, and to decrease the influence that corporations can directly have on elections is another way to do it. Uh, but then, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a fundamental mind sort of shift that needs to be had about What's the point of producing? What's the point of having machines that can actually eliminate uh, need? In some ways, it's to eliminate need. And I think that's actually going to free up a lot of people people to to... uh, come up with other solutions to the different parts of the problems. Um, Yeah, there's like something called like a circular economy. And then also a freedom cell is something I just joined recently, the freedom cell network where it's just like a network of people that get together, try to find some land, collectively own it, build it up, um, you know, grow their own food, all that kind of stuff. And it's also like a network for those kind of people to talk to each other, see what works, trade with each other, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's my solution to capitalism. I'm glad I could help. Um, Brady, thanks for calling in. I saw your infrared. Uh, I saw your political platform thing. I will, I will send notes. <laughs> I was said notes, but I saw I was I was so happy, I was happy to, see to see the infrared info. camera. Uh, I'm glad you like that idea. Barbecue in there, especially. Well, I didn't say I, I didn't say I liked it, but it is. <laughs> I, do, I do. I will say though. Think I will say. It. It, yeah, it's, it's imagine it's watching very, C-SPAN with predator vision. It's like watching C-SPAN with predator vision. I mean, how cool! And you would be able to see when they're lying actively as they're speaking, which I think is just. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, but anyways, thank you, Brady, for calling. Uh, Jonathan, I thought I saw you dropped out, but you you came back in. So uh, oh yeah, well that here. was just like a lot. There was a lot going on. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, with um just with the whole uh, the book and like everything you were trying to talk about, and it's just the scope there, of it so much. Yeah, the scope of it is immense. Yeah, but it, I, it couldn't I, help but think about um what I was talking about in Sean's room earlier about. I don't know if you heard my tortured analogy to Middle Earth about the uh, – I, I like to torture the real Jonathan with my analogy. 
about the, the Istari is the five wizards. Imagine that uh -huh. you and four of your friends get sent to China and your sole mission, your whole professional life is to undo one other person to make a study of their tactics and agents and strategies and, and just undo them. Like that's the, what the, they were sent to middle earth with the, to undo Sauron. That's like the, and the, the analogy is they're the Frankfurt school and that's uh, Mark hmm. Fisher. He calls it capitalist realism. Right. Chris Hedridge quotes that book, Geet Bohr's book a lot. He calls it the society of spectacle. He calls it the spectacle. Baldriard calls it the simulacra. Marx right. calls it ideology. They're all talking about the same thing. Right. It's, it's all the same thing. And, and, and what is it? It's who's Sauron? Sauron, if you're going to put a face on him, is the guy Edward Bernays. And uh, Edward Bernays's ring, Sauron's ring, is basically identity. That's it's how you tell people it's how you tell people what sports things to watch. It's how you tell them which parts of history to be angry about. It's how you tell them which news stories to be angry about. It's how you get them to sit down and watch army and beer commercials. It, the, the the Twitter bots are never talking to Bide or Jonathan. They're talking to your identity that you carry around with you. The simulacro identifies you and gives you, it imbues you with that. It imposes identity on you so that it can sell you things, including just ideas, obviously literal selling of things too, but it's just trying to sell you the idea to, so that you can't see the, the big other. The big other is, well, let's start with the little other. The little other is just some basic like psychoanalytic stuff. When you look at for a mirror for the first time and you see yourself and you recognize yourself that other animals don't do that very well, but we do, you hmm. start parsing up the world in with words, but this is, I can't, I always think of Buddhism when I see this, because the way you see something and the way I see something might not be exactly the same. We could be having coffee in the same restaurant and you're just thinking it's a hell. And I think I just, I fucking love this place. Like their experience of it is completely different. So, Whatever you look at, and this is the Buddhist thing, that you draw the world with your mind, anything you look at closely enough, you'll see yourself staring back at you. It, that's, that's, the, the other is you. It's, it's your, it's, it's looking, but what you don't see is the big other. What you don't see is that you're looking at that thing, whether it's a cup of coffee or whatever, the way that you see it has been prescribed to you by the big other. It's ideology itself, and you can't see anything without it. Everything you look at in the world and how you experience it is informed by the simulacra, capitalist realism, the big yeah. other. There's, and you can't just step outside of it. It's not like the Matrix where you, you get to step outside of it. Baudrillard said a better book was uh, – the better movie was uh, Inception because you – spoiler alert, you don't get to see the top at the end stop falling. You don't know yeah. with what oh, you, you don't even know which thoughts of your own are propaganda yeah. or not. You have to distrust the contents of your own mind every moment of every day. And it's just so hard to do that, that basically no one does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would think, you know, the one thing that kind of gives me hope in that situation though, Jonathan is, is that even uh, through the identity parts, even through the, the having to constantly sort of question, am I just serving the means of capital by critiquing capital in this forum and not doing anything? I think, uh, I think that having goals which directly run afoul of capitalist goals is a good way to sort of at least start identifying 
the points that are against the big other. Like yeah, actual this happened in my hometown. You were talking about make, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, Anti-capitalist no, 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 art was is what you said, and that made what you mm-hmm. just said right now made me think of what happened in my hometown after the George Floyd things. We got a big mural on the side of the Five Flags Arena, which is where the hockey games and the basketball yep. games and whatever go. I performed there in the Drum and Bugle Corps. It's that place. You know where that place is. In the anyway, what Corps? The Drum and Bugle Corps. That's you were in, was, are you DCI? DCI, you yeah, Colts, the Colts out of Dubuque, Iowa. That's no, you hometown. fucking weren't. Oh, yeah. Dude, Contra that's Bass, awesome. 2001. What the two, fuck? Baritone, I, 2004. Yo, five. what the fuck? Yo, for all of you, you who do, are You not, know like, DCI is? You're, not yes, many people know what that is. I was a band nerd, too, dude. Like, uh, for all of you who are okay. not like band nerds, band nerds DCI, solidarity, DCI are like the fucking... They're they're the we're highest not marching band. Like, Don't call us a marching band, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> you know they're not marching bands. They're yeah, awesome, yeah, no, okay? that you like, get how they they are about wild. that though. Like because it's wild. a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the like the I, I'm kind of fanboying a little bit right now, which is weird because <laughs> but yeah. like 2001, we made finals and that was kind of a big deal. Okay, for us, 2001. You know, felt, it's it's yeah. on YouTube, right? I'm looking. At oh it. shit! Yeah, probably. Holds. DCI. I'm it was a good show, you know, like yeah. the, the, the 2004 or five shows were just not as well written. They weren't as well executed. They were okay. And I had fun doing it, but I was like, I felt like I had already kind of grown out of it compared to anybody else around me because we had an average age that's lower than the top six cores. Their average yeah. age is 19 and 20. And ours was probably 16 at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's a thing. It happens. It's Dubuque, Iowa, for God's sake. But what is the smallest town to support a Division One drum corps? So the fact that we can yeah. even field something that makes finals is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's awesome. But that's sick. Dude. I forgot okay. where I was going with that. My no. bad. Oh, yeah. I did too. I got too fanboy. Go ahead. The, the the building that had a mural, a solidarity mural painted on it. All of these different co- different skin-colored fists up in the air with a peace sign. And it says solidarity. And I was shit talking this mural. And they're like, oh, you must be a racist. You must hate. You must be pro police. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Hey, do we have an age limit on what is it to be a cop? Do we have de-escalation training? Do we have mental health professionals going out? You know, do we have? No, no, no. This mural is what you got instead of police reform. Exactly. It has supplanted it. Is all anti-capitalist art is all being folded back into the calculations and sold to you as progress when it's bullshit. It's yeah. it's a mirror. It's smoke and mirrors. It's all a lie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, Fisher talks about that a lot in this book, um, which again, I really suggest everyone read because I cannot do it justice. Uh, and it's only eighty pages. Eighty pages. It, I will read it. I will. I can do eighty pages in a weekend. Yeah, it's not. It's not too. It's not hard. Um, but the, uh, you know, do you think that there is a way? to see that mural, to understand people's reaction to that mural and understand on a deep level why they're having that reaction to the mural. Because if they're, if they're reacting to the mural and they like the mural, then they clearly in some way, shape or form feel that tension and that conflict with the system, which perpetrated the violence that's being depicted or being, uh, uh, monumized by the by the mural right so you lost the people that you were talking about when you said the word system like when they look at that no, mural I, 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 no i don't i don't think so when they well no 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 well first of all i agree with you when they look at the mural they don't they think just, systemically they, but that's right, they're just the, trying to rub it in the faces of the people the who don't other. like it 
that's that's the big other disguising itself. That's the big other. That's capitalism's advantage is being the chameleon. I think when it comes to people like okay. you and I, Jonathan, our our goal has to be that when we recognize the feeling that people are having to that big mural, what we don't necessarily want to do is antagonize the mural mural itself, but make sure that the mural itself, not the mural, but use the mural to, again, refocus where the critique's supposed to be. Like, oh, they did the mural? Great. Now the mural is what we want for, this is your promise with the mural that you are going to change the police in these four fundamental ways that we need. Right, but there's only so much it's about momentum. And you're not of wrong. Course, of you're course. not you're not you're not wrong, but like keep in mind uh, who's some play might have been Zizek. Mm-hmm. He's like okay, Herodotus. What what was he doing? He was a historian. He was writing for posterity. Every right. everything he did was to make sure that the knowledge and lessons of what had happened made it in to the next generation and the next and the next and the next but the 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 capitalist realist there is no history there's only a perpetual present the fact that they even got that moment to to keep you from doing the thing and and you want the mural to to refocus you to do the thing the fact that you even didn't start there they kicked the can down the road and that and what they've done is create the catharsis of the thing having happened when it hasn't just, they're right. trying to spend as much energy as possible. It's a, basically a time sink, which is another thing yeah. we talked about in Sean's room earlier, hoping that you'll sort of while yourself out, man, I don't know if you saw the Christian Parenti interview or, uh, I, I with, um, on bad faith. Yeah. I believe but I he's did. talking about between 50 and 80% of what's going on. There is bots. And I was listening to this show earlier called The Partially Examined Life. It's one of my favorite uh, podcasts. And they were talking about 90s sitcoms and the canned laughter. The canned la- Not only do normal people not actually laugh out loud when they watch it, especially alone. It sort of laughs for you. It's and it's sort of a way that does the lifting for you so you can just relax and feel like you had a good time after work. That's fine, whatever. But the point is, it serves the subtle other purpose of telling you what is funny so you don't have to decide that for yourself, telling you what's appropriate, doing the right. work of informing you where the middle is. Right. And what and they used a home improvement a lot as the example, just because that's what he just got done watching the whole thing. And it's basically a long battle of the sexes thing. And it's like, but at the end of the episode, as in with all 90s sitcoms, the norm has to be re-achieved by the end right. of the episode. Yeah, that's So it's right. like, that's oh, right. yeah, you're, you're going to be the woman. You have to do all this stuff. And I va- so this is progress because it's like, oh, I validate your feelings that you don't think it's fair that you have to raise the children while I fuck around with hot rods in the garage. But men going to do what men going to do. Ha, ha, ha. Right. End of episode. Right. Right. That's Twitter right. now. Twitter is performing the function of the laugh track. It's telling you what, what to – it's the simulacra telling you what to get excited about and yeah. when. And I don't know if you heard the Norm Finkelstein interview. I did. But it just seems so hyper convenient, the timing of BLM and, a, and a, a deploying of identity to drive a rift in the Bernie campaign right when it was on its way to being something. It was we're going to play. It was so bad that they're like, we're going to play the identity card now and we're going to drive these people's energy off a cathartic cliff 
give them a music video, either burn down a target, do all this. Like what, what changed? Did, were there any police reforms? All those places in Minnesota are worse than they were before. Again, right? that's, that's why it's, 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 it is like the matrix, right? The matrix in keeping the compliance of people are hooked into the system. But if you are fortunate enough to be able to actually critique the system, the job is always going to be on us to unplug people. And part of that is we, we, we have to look at two sort of diametrically, not necessarily diametrically opposed, but two sort of conflicting ideologies in our heads at once. We have to recognize, too, that capitalism is, is, is really good at uh, absorbing critiques of itself within itself. But we have to notice that and we have to counter it. That's why so I'm not like the, the yeah. weird, the, the thing I do that pisses off leftists maybe the most, well, there's a few of them, but one is not defending the <laughs> Department of Education because that's where it starts. Yeah. Everything past eighth grade is propaganda. It ruins your ability to divest from the system, to, to, uh, to un, unplug. Like you, it, it fills your head with nonsense that has to be dislodged, and the, which is really difficult. Yeah, and it's especially when it's not something you don't value or never think to do, and especially, especially when your identity is all tied up in what's in there. Uh, you need to have strong convictions, but held lightly. That's a metaphor yeah. I was using earlier it, today it, too. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, I, I I agree with that too. You need to have strong convictions, but held lightly. Lightly, I, I like that, and I, you know, I'm I'm of two minds with identity because when identity is created well when when identity is made to be such a fundamental part of the human experience in america it's it's difficult not it's a trick, to man. it is a trick in a lot of ways it's a trick but also it's it's just as um i'll say this identity existed or senses of identity existed far before capitalism they just weren't so fucking individualized right but tribe and 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 culture, these things have always existed. They've they've always been around. It's just that sure. the weaponization of these things is something that has been uh, integrated very hard into into capitalism. So we we need to recognize that aspect of identity as a as something almost fundamental to the human experience. It right. is, but that's why it's so easy to deploy as a weapon. Is it's absolutely fundamental to the human experience. But notice that but, you could say that left is an identity, worker is an identity, citizen yes. is an identity. Work, yeah, you notice, yes, yes. you notice that the, the capitalist realist simulacra doesn't push. It has no interest in you seeing yourself that way. There's no profit in it. Well, it only wants push, to push then. the prefix on that, you. It wants. I'm a push. blank worker. I'm a bl in the the blank. The prefix to those universal identities is your intersectional identity. Has everything to gain from you seeing yourself that way yeah yeah well that's i i think i think lysol says it best that like broke ass motherfucker is an identity sure and that that's one that we should be pushing on and you know for things like art i i think what would have been awesome with that george floyd mural maybe it would have wouldn't have been understood at the time is for someone to put up like i don't know to write on the mural itself we want change not art or we want reform not art 
and then it becomes a whole yeah. different kind of artwork, right? That's actually more anti-capitalist. The art that says the, art is bullshit. Yeah, I guess that's, uh, you know, you know self-referential. Like, it's, it's, it's this idea of, um, you know, you can't, you can't let these motherfuckers keep tricking us. But I, I, I will say this. I, as far as identifying what to do, identifying what identities are, 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 are to weaponize, I would identify those uh, actions and identities and, and tactics which are as opposed to capital, uh, as opposed to capital as like possible. Usually that's a good starting ground. That's not to say everything that's ever happened under capitalism is like bad or like, you well, know, they're all universal like markets and blah, blah. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean by they're all universal? I mean, you didn't have a bunch of Russian Jews in the uh, October revolution going and being like, you know what I really need is every Cossack to treat me with total lack of unconscious bias, to see me with the same benefit <laughs> of the doubt as they would a member of their own family. And you know what I also need is proportional representation in every tier of government, in every company, in every mm. Soviet, in the whole country. And I'm not going to be happy until I get it. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. It's about, All they wanted was equal representation under the law. That's what the yeah. Civil Rights Act is about, to take race out of of the law and, and the elephant in the room when we talk about identity is always reparations which writes it back into the law you but get that's it? also class right and that that's what makes it difficult too is what, what is now, class i don't know what you're saying. Well, the, the the idea of reparations right like this 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 i think you can argue make a pretty good argument that that's a that's a class argument as well right um now it's a class argument that only applies to a certain subsection of the class but eh, it's 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 kind of like payment for wages owed. I don't know. Like I get it. If would it be the first issue that I would prioritize? Probably not, just because we we got we yeah, the, the like political point problems. about priorities yeah. stands all on its own, independent of the yeah. economic and the moral and the class versus race or which one comes first. Like forget about all that for one second. The political mm -hmm. argument stands all on its own and needs nothing else to be true. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have a Medicare for all candidate come from a place like Tennessee, some Mason Dixon state. And mm -hmm. if I'm the if I'm evil, if I'm Sauron, the deceiver, the great enemy of the world, and I'm the Republican, assuming that it's a Democrat and I'm the Republican strategist, I make sure there's somebody in the audience at the debate who forces them into a position on reparations so that no one gets Medicare, because I know the working white people of Tennessee or Flint, Michigan, don't think that way. And they don't. And I would know. And that's it's you're going to get nothing because the identity is going to be used as a wedge to keep the universal program from coming into being. Yeah. Now, that doesn't need anything else. That's that's the simulacra functioning using identity to divide and conquer, period. Like, even if I'm wrong morally, economically, blah, 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 politically, you know, you have to deal with that fact. And Brown has like critiqued other people before about sitting on a very high moral perch and not engaging with the muddy rubber hits the road reality of politics. Well, to me, the very high moral perch has a parrot on it saying what? Yes. And yes. And yes. And there's nothing easier than yes. Anding every single desire had by every single leftist and liberal in all of time. It's lazy. It's uncareful. It has no focus. It's going to cost everything that kind of incrementalism and people do it because they are comfortable. Well, potentially, potentially, if we don't prioritize correctly, maybe. I mean, look, is it can it cause divisions? Are those things going to be think uh, like 
exploited to cause divisions, of course. But that's what happened in the third, uh, the third yeah, Democratic yeah. debate when Hillary Clinton was on the stage. Somebody stood up and said what? And said, do black lives matter or do all lives matter? Now, the people yeah. to whom I deliver packages in Iowa and the people for whom I paint boats right here in Georgia right now and their clients, they don't live and die on Twitter. And that, but they don't understand your esoteric language. My Meemaw is going to take that not all lives matter at face value, literally. And why shouldn't she? And the fact that to expect someone like back to be engaging in these sort of conversations we're having that great is completely ridiculous. It's going to cost yeah. you everything, just like it cost her, who the oligarchs really wanted. It, Identity Wedge worked so well, it cost the oligarch who they wanted, which was Hillary, not the unpredictable Donald Trump. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. maybe it It'll did, happen again. But... Watch it happen. I'm predicting it right today. It's going to be Tennessee, North Carolina, maybe California, but a Medicare for All candidate is going to be forced into a reparations position, which will cost them the election. That will happen. Uh, you know what? I'll take that bet. All I right. think you can navigate it. I think you can. But um, okay, if I win, you choose a book of uh, read a book of my choosing, and if I lose, I will read a book <laughs> of your choosing, not including uh, the Fisher okay. one. I will. I'm going to do that anyway. Okay, okay? That's I'm going to make you read. Uh, that I'm going to make you re- that. That will be the bet, and I'm going to make you read uh, Tanahasi Coates Between the World and Me. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm going to shoot myself in the head. I'm going to make you read, and I think you'll like this: Progress and Poverty by Henry George. Okay, that's see, that's a that's a reasonable choice. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, uh, we have a lot. Yeah, well, let the other people talk. All right, great, Jonathan. Always a pleasure to to have. Yeah, thanks. You. Uh, Bye. Always make me think. All right, take care. All right, Morgan, you're up next. Morgan, I think last time we we spoke, uh, you were uh, boondoggling me in in a chat room for Brianna Joy Gray's bad faith. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I apologize for any boondoggling. I truly didn't mean to. Okay. Yeah. Well, what's going on? What's that? Uh, you don't even have to that... talk about topicality boondoggling, which I'm sure we could boondoggle on for for many many minutes about. Um, yeah. But... Sure. Say boondoggle again. Yeah, I'll say boond. That's my dad. He says say boondoggle again. <laughs> uh, he's supportive. <laughs> boondoggle. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so what's on your mind? It's a little bit left field. Uh, I... mm-hmm. Um. So really, I just saw the name of this uh, of this of this call in episode: capitalist surrealism. And I called in. And when I called in, you were right at the point where you were taking calls. So I didn't hear the bulk, the meat of your episode. So I apologize for that. Um, no worries. But the uh, the title was was enticing to me um, for one main reason. Uh, and it's that, like, um, during a lockdown, I went through sort of a mental breakdown, you know, like I think a lot of us did. Sure. Um, <clears throat> that, that very much galvanized my anti-capitalist beliefs for many reasons. And um, one of the outlets that I found for this sort of, uh, you know, mental stress was surreal memeing. Um, Surreal memeing is like a very small community of of online people on Tumblr and Reddit specifically. This feels embarrassing even to talk about, uh, but I'm going to. Um, And, you know, it's basically has to do with, you know, memes that are weird and crazy and strange, but that can express a lot of different things. And I, I started to make a lot of anti-capitalist surreal memes. And they got pretty pretty popular. You know, I went from like 30,000 karma to 200,000 karma, you know, in like seven months. Damn. Um, from making like surreal rich. memes. You know, like karma's like bullshit, right? Or whatever. But, you know, it's, it made me feel good as an artist. Um, 
But it made me think a lot about like, uh, you know, like Dadaism during World War II, you know, right. and like surreal memeing here in this, uh, you know, like late stage capitalism phase that we're in. Um, and I don't know, I got really interested in that community of expression because I think we can all agree that, that you know, um, memes are a really powerful uh, force of, of communication nowadays amongst young people. And they, and they rapidly progress, you know? Like you, you really do need like college level education for, for many years of being online to understand how quickly memes, uh, you know, permutate and take on different meanings. And I found that the surreal meme community was a really enjoyable community to interact with because they seem to embody a lot of these ideals that were present in Dadaism during World War II. You know, just this like the world is so preposterous right now for the working person, for the average person that, um, mm -hmm. you know, outlets naturally need to be found by artists and by just normal, you know, working people expressing themselves. And I found yeah. strange haven in this like surreal meaning community online for that period of time. Um, and this is all, this is all very abstract and I, I'm not really coalescing to any specific point here. Um, uh, but, but like, I don't know. I feel like there is a group of young people that we can kind of track in terms of how quickly they make memes. And these aren't, aren't just surreal meme communities. We're also talking about communities like anti-work or like late stage capitalism, like communities on Tumblr, on Reddit, on Twitter that are active mm -hmm. already. Um, like, like people in Gen Z, right? Uh, seem to be more up with this sort of uh, belief system than people, at least when I was young, were. You know, when, when I was in high school, you know, in 2006, uh, you know, and I was in debate club, like it was it was difficult to find people in Texas who were socialists, who were, you know, like, um, yeah, sure. Open towards sort of Marxist ideas. But like when I look at social media and specifically like the territory of memes, I find that like ideas spread very rapidly and very like saliently through young populations that are fundamentally in line with workers, you know, gripes that, that we see today. And so I, I constantly wonder, having interacted with these communities, how do we codify this sort of uh, belief, this sort of energy that exists in young people who really are feeling the, the pressures of capitalism more than most of us have in our lives? Uh, with, you know, this sort of millennial workforce, as well as, you know, the, the, the boomer workforce, like, so to speak, you know, like, I agree with a lot of things that you and Jonathan talked about, about a worker strike and, and that sort of thing. But I, I constantly puzzle over how to coordinate these different demographics around that sort of movement. And I wonder if, if, if memetics, if memes might not hold a key to understand that, that particular battle battlefield i don't know if i'm being stupid now but i'll turn it back over to you no not not stupid at all i i uh i think there's a lot of what you said that makes a lot of sense here um i mean every you didn't say anything that didn't make sense i think with with the power of memes i i guess the critique the only critique there would be the one that comes from capitalist realism which is this this book again by mark fisher which we we were discussing, like you said before you you joined the 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 call in, but the idea that the anti capitalist release is 
the frustration that is felt, the, the, the anti-capitalist act cannot just be the, the creation of anti-capitalist art or the creation of a meme. That in and of itself will be rolled back into capitalism because capitalism is very good at making sure that uh, expressions of anti-capitalism are given voice within it so long as nothing changes. So right. the, the degree to which means can be question. used. What, what now? I'd like to interrupt you briefly to ask a question along these lines. Mm -hmm. um, like, like what is the actual physical tool that we have in terms of a communication matrix? Like, is it Discord? Is it Telegram? Is it Facebook Messenger? Like, what is the tool that we have that can connect these disparate groups of workers on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, striking, <laughs> striking, striking, uh, how do we coordinate striking? We have to be on some sort of platform to communicate, don't we? Potentially. But I do think that the use of these platforms too are an example of how our memeing uh, ends up just being incorporated into capitalist ends again, you know, if, 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 if the Twitter, you know, to the extent that we are, uh, being anti-capitalist on Twitter, are ideas spreading? Maybe, I mean, maybe among the people on Twitter, but is anything happening? That's the question. And I think one of the things that I took away from this reading in particular was, uh, strangely, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do as much consumption just because I got to read and I have to, I have to do something that is active, actively engaged in, uh, challenging the system as it is. And I think that it's respectful, but I you wonder know. how we inspire others to do that. And I wonder, well, more importantly, we, we, like beyond inspiration, yeah. how we coordinate people to do that together. Because in the well, past, if we look at like past social movements, we've had things mm -hmm. like churches to, to like coordinate people, right? Like we look yep. at the civil rights movement. Churches were very important in those communities to coordinate people uh, for a bus strike. Like yep. we don't have that sort of participation in, in something like a community physical, um, you know, Sure. situation you know and but, i wonder what those things look like you know in 2023 i i think some people on colin have been trying to start something along those lines and i think those are actually that's where the the rubber should should meet the road in my opinion is uh if if all that happens from me talking into a microphone here is just us saying, well, capitalism's bad, and then we all go back and just, like, fucking go to bed sad and nothing changes. Uh, I think that's that's a failure. What needs to be done is people... With somebody and you can fuck them, you know? Um... You said what? <laughs> I don't know. I just heard you could fuck them. That's all the I heard. Some of us are going um... to bed sad about capitalism unless we have a lover, <laughs> you know? In which case, yeah. Yeah. we're going to bed satisfied and mad at capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the next morning waking up, uh, sad at capitalism again. Yes. Uh, 
and no amount of fucking can fill the hole of sadness for capitalism. Can, you know, there's there's sort of a drip therapy. Oh, there's a drip therapy that's very effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a it'll help you out. But um, yeah, I think I think the lack of those groups is ex- to coordinate community action is exactly correct. The, one of the solutions is form those groups. Form. See, them. here's my make uh, them. My make, critique that, is that like. If those groups are coordinated on social media or any sort of internet platform, they are fundamentally weak to state meddling because so much of our of our you know digital um, uh, platform like marketplace is determined by like like algorithms of of distribution uh, that, that that exist sure, already sure. on our digital platforms, and so like like I wonder if there even is a digital platform that could sufficiently do this thing if all people were on it and like that's even ignoring the problem of how difficult it is to get multiple different group demographics of worker on this platform at the same time you know one might even say that facebook is the best equipped for this because so many older people are already on it but like that fails the the check of you know how many young people are on it not a lot so like like it almost seems like we need our own um framework of communication to make this sort of thing happen. Like, like I look at countries like France who have been successful um, in, in worker strikes or who are currently fighting the good fight, you know, um, by shutting down certain segments of the grid in France for wealthy individuals because of allyships with, with, with unions. It's a small country. Um, it's a lot easier for people to uh, like coordinate direct action in a country that's, you know, about the size of Texas. Right. But, but like, in the United States, are we just kind of doomed to 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 be nope, equipped nope. with like with very terrible coordination frameworks? No, we're not. We're not at all. That's that's part of the. What are the alternatives? The it's it's the alternatives. Well, first, the alternatives are to try, and then figure it out. But one of the things that we end up doing is first saying, "Well, oh." Um, and it's no fault of our own. Capitalism is very good, and American capitalism in particular is very good at creating an action for this kind of stuff. But, you know, that idea of, oh, well, we probably can't coordinate on Facebook because Facebook already has people who are running it who are directly opposed to our interests and will shut it down. Probably, but try it anyways. Fuck them. Like, tell them to suck our dicks. Coordinated efforts. And we're, we're going to do it. We should do it on like, all of our fronts at once if we can. Yeah. Question is, what is the central platform that enables this communication on all these? Ooh, the question is, do we need a central platform to do it? Is that what happened during the civil rights movement? The civil rights movement was a lot of different groups who all saw the ball. They, they, they knew where the goal was, and they all wanted to get that ball to the hole. They all did their own shit all the time. And then when shit push came to shove, shit came together. And I think let's, we have let's really some pick, examples let's of really that. pick that you know, apart. The, the, because that's the, that's a the, that's really a fantastic well, we have, well, example. But I, I, I'll continue too with the 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 um you know this this uh anti war, this rage against the war machine rally was a bunch of different motherfuckers coordinating, and then a lot of what the talk was afterwards was oh well these people shouldn't coordinate with these people. Fuck all that. Fuck it. Coordinate in any way possible, shape, or form, well, hey, hey, I to wanna be, make I wanna to, be... to actually challenge the institutions that are creating a a uh, you know uh, uh, imperialist state that forces us all into their bullshit. No, Do the I, same I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, Bide. I like like the the thing that I have struggled 
like I, I have a difficulty understanding and maybe this is just because of my whiteness, right? I'm a white dude. Right. But like, like if I look at, if I look at past successful social movements and we, you know, we, we have to put successful in quotes, even like with the civil rights movement because of private prison, like, like, uh, like sort of stuff. Uh, but, but, but anyway, ignoring all of that, like, like if we look at like quote unquote successful social movements, like the civil rights movement, like the color of one's skin is a, is a pretty, um, what's the term like galvanizing a point of, of individual lifestyle that connects an enormous number of people. Now the same thing is true of working people. I'm not denying yeah. The, the like money in one's pocket. The same thing is life. true there. It's just that it, it seems to be less salient when it comes to working people, specifically because of bipartisanship in the United States, specifically because of how easy it is to pit leftist working people against right leaning work, working people. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I wonder, like, what the territories are legitimately that can unify leftist working people and people on the right who are working people, because both of those people are our allies, whether you view yourself as leftist or, you know, like right leaning doesn't matter. Like working yeah, people both sides of that aisle should be your allies in some correct. way. What are the yeah. platforms that we have to coordinate amongst those people? And yeah, to me, I think I, I, I can't find them. I can't find them. You know, outreach of any kind. I mean, it's, 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 I don't think it's as difficult as what we tend to make it sometimes. Uh, I, I would point back to that rage against the war machine thing again. Like, again, I, it, it sucks that a lot of the conversations afterwards were about people talking about, oh, you shouldn't coordinate with that person and this person. Dude, I will tell you all right now, I don't give a fuck who it is. I do not give a fuck who it is. If they are down to actually challenge this motherfucker and get people some motherfucking health care and shit, I'm working with them. I don't fucking care. The problem is not on what my fucking reputation is or what someone else's reputation is. I don't know where people come from. I don't know what the fuck they do. It doesn't matter. What matters is the galvanizing force of challenging power. And as long as you keep your messages, as long as we keep that in focus and not make these things left and right wing, or when people are trying to separate us that way, we call that out. We call that out by name. Here they go again trying to make us fight each other so that they can make us fight their wars. But here, that's doing so the hard same to do thing by, like, like can you, can you like look me straight face? And obviously we're, we're on a digital platform, so you don't have to look me with anything, but like, yeah. like, can you, can you like say to me straight face that like, that you have encountered like Trumpists who are foaming at the mouth, you know, uh, against someone like Biden. Dude, and, and I'm from Southern Illinois. Point to coordinate like with them, like towards yeah, yeah. mutual good, like you know, yeah, hundred like, percent, yeah, percent. I can and say that one hundred percent. Bernie did that. Face. To be honest, Bernie did that in a lot of uh, in a lot of like town halls. He did I mean, that. I, he basically talked about like, hey, do you have do you have medical debt? Oh, you do. Well, yeah. I want you to not have medical debt. And like, these are the things that like I think that if we could talk about these things with with people on both sides of the aisle, like, oh, do you have more debt than you want? Do you, are you spending more money on college than you want? Are you spending more money on groceries than you want? Are you not getting paid enough? All of these questions have answers that we can all agree on. Yep. Yep. Is, and uh, how can we like shake the hand with the guy who voted for Trump versus voted for Biden in 2020? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck who they voted for. I give a fuck if you're actually going to be down for the cause. People on the left and on the right might, you know, make much ado about nothing there, right? Well, I think I think we have to be we have to be serious about the situation we find ourselves in. 
when the stakes are existential, you know, if it was a, a zombie apocalypse or something, then your group are the motherfuckers around you. And some of us are going to be the Carl and some of us are going to be the whoever the fuck with the crossbow was in Walking Dead, right? Uh, it, it is what it is. And, and if you're serious about survival, if you're serious about actually getting somewhere, then that's not even a fucking question to me. Like, I don't give a fuck if Tulsi Gabbard or whoever the fuck was at the Rage Against the War Machine. Good. Like, whoever, as long as you're here, uh, and as long as we're working towards the same place, I'm a, I'm a work with you on that. I just, I, and if we, if we actually truly believe the stakes are existential, why wouldn't you? They are. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? And they're existential. And I'm not gonna like fucking let capitalism as a fucking dumbass, fucking goofy concept that's gonna destroy shit just suddenly like. I'm not going down without a fight. I'm not fucking going down without a fight. They can kiss my motherfucking ass. Like I'm not. Fuck these guys. Fuck you. these motherfuckers, man. Like this is our planet too. This is our no, future I'm too. This I'm is fighting our with you. I just. I'm fighting with you. I just. You know, I, like sometimes I feel like our stage is not big enough. I don't know how to I don't know how to connect with people who are outside of these very uh, insular like social media platforms like call in. Yeah. Like, you know, like, reaching out, yeah, talking to trying, them, that's what do, you say. Do whatever just the fuck trying. you can. Just keep trying. And maybe 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 we find out certain platforms are not good for this. Right. Uh, maybe we yeah. find out that yeah, maybe you're right. But the the goal that can't take us away from the fact that we Forgive know what we need to do. If if we know that we need to build solidarity, if we know we need to build community, if we know we need to reach out, then no amount of difficulty should stop us from the fact that that's the next step. So we have to take it. We're going to wind up there one way or another. It's just, okay, how do we, how do we figure out the best way to do it? And if we find something that catches, we just keep doing it, you know? Um, but Morgan, thank you. Thank you for calling. Uh, I really appreciate the call. Um, hope you call in again, uh, asking good questions and a lot of them too. Uh, again, it's, it's definitely worth, uh, checking out this capitalist realism by Mark Fisher. Uh, I think, I think it's an amazing work. So, uh, uh, and keep, keep memeing, keep memeing, sir. Not sure if you can hear me anyway. Goodbye. Bye. All right. Uh, Peter, what's going on? Hey, Bide. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, being a little communist at night? Is that what you're doing right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm being a dirty little commie right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're in Chicago. I heard that uh, Michelle O may be coming out for 2024. Really? I didn't yeah, know that. I, I think she's the only person right now in America, only person in America can literally make Joe Biden pee in his pants instantly. Yeah, I think so. I, th I think so. I, I don't know. Jeez, I, that would be wild if she ran. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I mean, I'd feel, uh, would that do more harm than good in the end? I, I'm not sure. Oh, I, I already think about her slogan. I mean, look, first of all, if she landed in South Carolina, Joe mm -hmm. Biden will immediately announce he is not going to seek for re-election. Yeah, probably. Right? Probably. First thing, yeah. because yeah. that's a trick uh, Joe Biden is playing, uh, making the South Carolina that will be the first. 
to run the power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the second is that yeah, she is, I would, if I'm remember correctly, she's in Chicago, by the way. So yeah, she's in close, Chicago. You're the closest to her as far as physical distance is. Right. And she, I thought she was a hospital administrator. So she should be conversant when it comes to Medicare for all. And I, 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 I hope she would be, but I don't, I mean, I'm just, ex- I just expecting another term of Obama, which would really be a bad thing. Um, Seriously? Oh, actually, yeah. no, he, I think she can have a better slogan. So uh, Obama says, yes, we can, but he really can, did not do it. He cannot. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so Michelle Obama will do this. She will say, yes, I can. She can do way better. <laughs> Yeah. Than Obama. Than yeah. her husband. Because uh, yeah. her, her husband is a half Kenyan, half white. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where yeah. our disappointment comes from, right? Yeah. Yeah. From all, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but what I mean, I, I just thought he was a neoliberal. That's, that's where I think it comes from. Um, you know, not wanting to challenge. I, I do think it's very hard to. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to galvan or rally behind anybody who's not challenging capital uh, at this point. Okay, which is still okay. weird. It's just weird for me to say that because I was, I was Mister Neoliberal forever. I was Mister Obama and shit. But like, you know, I, how many times can the same experiment keep happening, Peter? And we get the same results, and and until we actually look at like the cause of it, like how 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 much worse do sh- does shit need to continue to get before I can like just name the fact that yeah capital is the fucking problem everything traces back to capital oh, that's oh, what okay. needs to be attacked that's the enemy um so uh, I, it, I i i don't know yeah. i mean michelle would be interesting yeah oh can you hear me Oh, Peter, are you there? Then you really are not oh. a dirty little commie at night. <laughs> so, yeah, at this point, I'm 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 becoming a. a it's it's been a fun journey, but I I may be uh, just a dirty little commie at any time of the day now. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, if you can hear me, uh, so I I just based on what uh, the uh, previous two callers. Uh, excluding Brady, because because uh, 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 I think Jonathan and uh, uh, what's the previous caller name? Uh, oh, Morgan? he left. So I yeah, Morgan. What I always want to ask them, people like like these two gentlemen, including you, uh, as a matter of fact, is that I thought America probably is the best country if you want to experiment any alternative political systems. We have uh, Amish people somewhere in Pennsylvania doing their own thing, right? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of uh, Orthodox Jewish people in Upper State New York doing their own thing. We even have a white supremacist uh, somewhere in the border of uh, Oregon and Idaho doing their own thing. Sure. Right? So what stop all those... Uh, but you know, I don't want to use the word hot air communist. Communist, just saying. You know, if you want to preach communism, why don't you just go practice communism by buying uh, uh, some land in some remote area cheaply, 
and have your own people and start a new alternative system. So there's two two reasons for that. The first mm-hmm. is that you'll notice that all the different groups you mentioned before, none of them were uh, economic groups, right? These are groups that either are bound by religion or some kind of like they all hate the same color of person or what have you. But all of those same groups, uh, you're allowed to do all of that stuff as far as identity because identity itself doesn't challenge capital, right? The mm-hmm. The identity of a group membership or a religion or something like that doesn't affect the bottom line. So as long as you're not challenging that bottom line, you're good. Once you start the communism thing, uh, I think you're in a different category. Now, that being said, there are some communities that have done a version of this, you know, not just like Amish communities, but there are uh, communes that uh, buy up land. They yep. all work together. Mm-hmm. They all mm-hmm. uh, get the, the fruits of their own labor. But even those communes, all of them, which I know, uh, sustain themselves in one way, shape or form by producing something like handmade baskets or some other like, uh, you know, artisanal soap or something that is still a commodity that could be sold at a higher price than to the market in order to get the capital it needs to fund that community. I haven't, I haven't seen a self-sustaining community in uh, America that would be truly communist. So the, 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 I mean, you, you can see just through America's kind of like history post World War II, that they've been pretty invested in stopping just about any kind of communist project that they could. Uh, I don't think they would tolerate yeah. the same thing happening on on uh, on it, their own soil. As okay, were. well, let let me counter what you just said with two points. One is I forgot to mention earlier. This is called the Nation of Islam. The the the, mm-hmm. the, the groups that uh, 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 Malcolm X used to be associated with, which is also based in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And Bruce they Sertan. have, the, uh, is that right? Yeah, his house is uh, in uh, Hyde Park, same neighborhood as Obama's. Yeah, oh, okay. So they have their own school. They they want to do very self, just, you know, black na- nationalistic economy market, whatever you want to call it. So this is the first thing, because the state did try it very hard, right? And second is this. If you look, uh, New York Times uh, has an article about uh, talking about uh, this uh, term called the national divorce, proposed by no other than lovely Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm. She basically is saying she is totally to have a soft secession for any states who wants to be communist or socialist. And she's saying, yeah, but she's dumb. Will... I'm sorry, but I find out she's. Well, yeah, well uh, here's the lot of revolutionary ideas are always be considered dumb, dumb, right? You know, including mm-hmm. the communists, some people will label them a dumb, dumb. But what I'm trying to say is at least this uh, uh, extreme right politician is uh, reasonable to say, yeah, go ahead, do your own economy, non-capitalist alternative. So what I'm trying to say is this, this guy, Mark Fisher, killed himself. Maybe it's because he's just having a pipe dream. But he never have a chance in a small island called England or Britain or UK like the practice. But US is like a, what, 20,000 times or 100,000 times bigger 
like England, more mm. land, more, more, more clean water, more, la- uh, more, more uh, proper place to do sewage systems, mm. build, build your main street, make whatever you want. Because after all, Karl Marx has a, a quote, capitalist, unquote, called Frederick Engels to help him to write the, the this uh, communist manifesto. Yeah, absolutely. They, absolutely. Right? They, they experiment shit, right? They're not only just a theorist, they experiment with some shit, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, I mean he, Marx, was, Marx was mostly theory, um, but uh-huh. people were mm-hmm. definitely trying to implement his work after the fact. And that, you know, that is definitely something that's... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah are, I know what you're saying. These are my challenge to people like Jonathan, who had a very, you know, eloquent uh, 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 expression of where he comes from, where he wants headed towards, including uh, the other guy, either Morgan, his name? Morgan. Morgan well, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do it. You know, don't talk. Just just talk. It's not going to be good. You know, so yeah. so but, but I don't mean to rain on your parade, but I know now I know you're not just a little dirty, dirty little comedy. You are a committed Marxist. Well, my, my thing is this, Peter. My thing is like um, I it is very difficult for me to look at the current situation of the United States where, like you said, there's indoor plumbing and there are uh, all of these different things and all the while people are killing themselves in, in record numbers. People are uh, unable to continue working, not even just from some physical disability, but people are so fucked in the head that they just, they can't bring themselves to work anymore. You are there's absolutely anxiety, right. There's anxiety. Right. There's people who, you know, the number one cause of, uh, of, of bankruptcy here is medical debt. There are all these issues that are very apparently very clearly caused by capital and the solution that's always being floated is well form your own this or form your own that as if even the critique of the failures of the system that we're in itself should somehow be excused by this illusory opportunity to form a different method of living within a nation that has already shown itself to be willing to fucking kill and fight and do wars to stop people in sovereign countries from doing communism. Like if you could give me an example of how I can form my shit here without having to pay taxes or, or, or continue with the system, maybe, maybe there's something more to it, but it, it always seems odd to me when we are unable to critique the system which we fucking live in, which we are supposed to be the democratically, uh, uh, which is supposed to be run by our democratic wishes, by a collective, our collective, Mm -hmm. by our desires, by what we want to prioritize, by what we believe the kind of nation we want to have. But whenever we try to critique that system, there's there's a reflexive attitude first and foremost to protect it. And as if like the acknowledgement acknowledging any uh deficiencies and shortcomings of that system are in and of themselves some kind of like uh uh i i, I guess should exclude us from 
I don't know. Like they, I know he's trying acknowledging, something. Yeah, acknowledging mm-hmm. those deficiencies is somehow uh, an attack on the system, which makes it in a way to where like we we should be forced to find alternatives. I think that's mm-hmm. weird. I, and I think that's kind of what this guy is talking about. This Martin, uh, I'm uh, yeah, yeah, yes, uh, 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 Fisher, Mark Fisher. Yeah. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Mark. Mm-hmm. What Mark Fisher is talking about here is is one of those aspects of how even a critique of uh, how, how good the system is at insulating itself from critiques. Like we know, I mean, you and I could probably both agree at this point, right? That Yes. Uh, oh, I agree with you on, on all, all right. the uh, very uh, social ills, uh, like, like you have just said. Yes. Yeah. I, I yeah. have something yeah. else I'll just share with you. Go, go ahead. Sorry. No, but that's, that's I, I think that's one of the things, you know, we, we could agree to some large extent that a lot of these social ills are directly being caused by profit incentives and by uh, capitalists. Yet, how do we address, you know, why shouldn't we be able to force that to change? Why shouldn't we be able to di- attack that directly? Uh, I think it's important to do that. And I think oh, that yeah. mm-hmm. um, with, with communism in particular, do I think, do I think, uh, you know, like communism in the way that it happened in, in, in the USSR is the end goal here? No. But do I think that there are elements of these different systems which we can probably put together to make something better? I think that's inarguably true. Yeah. And I that's agree. what I'm going for. Yeah. yeah. So actually, I want to share with you, uh, like, uh, this is very similar to what probably Mark Fisher, if he's still alive, he will probably agree. Uh, Richard Wolf. Uh, published a uh, on his YouTube channel a, a video clip recently, and he talked about uh, a report uh, done by the funny enough the Secret Service of the United States uh, on the mass shootings between 2016 to 2020, and in it, I actually downloaded that report today and did a quick read through. In that report, it talks about those societal breakdown, exactly what you are describing. Hmm. And uh, I I highly recommend you you take a read on that. My thing is this, because uh, for my show, I always said, for all the economic grievances, personal grievances, employment grievances, when there's not a functioning justice system to deal with those grievances, then the God, Second Amendment is the only remedy. So I yeah. always attribute to that, right? But the, 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 the sh- sick shit that described in this uh, secret U.S. Secret Service report is just beyond my wide, widest imagination that it's really, really bad. They, they actually yeah. categorized among 173 mass shootings. They find out uh, this person, uh, you know, what percentage is having financial difficulties, how many are having medical bills, stuff like yeah. that. I was like, yeah, yeah. That, like going back to what you said, it's the ill of the capitalism, right? Despite yeah. the fact we, we are still trying to say this is the only alternative, we uh, only solution we have. And uh, so, yeah, yeah but, but I, I'm just always want to urge people to practice what you preach. Otherwise, don't talk too much because it's just a waste of time. You know, it, it, you know this is just my, my position. But I agree with you on the on the uh, on, on the societal problems yeah sure. yeah well i i uh, peter i always appreciate your input uh and i find a lot of your 
uh, breakdowns of things fascinating. So I, I thank you for calling in. Uh, Jade, what's going on? Welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. How are you? You've been so patient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. I had, there was a lot of info and things covered. So I tried to just write stuff on a sticky note so I didn't completely forget everything I was planning to ask you. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> or to say. Okay. Um, I think. Do you think like with capitalism being so adaptive, right? Like it's very good at co-opting things and um, repackaging them, selling them back to us or like just being so flexible in so many ways. I think really it's because people are so resilient and adaptive, right? And that's the system that they, I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? Do, I, I do think, think that's in some it. ways, but I think that's it, in I, I, people are definitely resilient and adaptive. Yes, but um, there's a different kind of resilience and uh, adaptivity or adaptation that's I guess is required for something like living in an authoritarian state or tr like a like a uh, obviously or, or openly authoritarian state versus living in something like capitalism. And I think I think one of the I think we we have to look beyond just the people to really account for why capitalism is so good at absorbing critiques of itself into itself and why it's so good at adapting because uh you know the people fundamentally are not changing from like here to North Korea to wherever right it's it's the same for the most part like people it's the same flesh and blood. It's just a matter of one system in particular being capitalism is decentralized in its levers of sort of power or blame, but centralized in who benefits. So yeah. there's a diffusion of blame that is, there are plenty of ways for capitalists to diffuse blame and they end up acting a lot of the times in concert because their goals are the same because it's, it's everyone of the capitalists benefits from the continued and further exploitation of people. Right. Yeah. Um, so I hope that answers your question a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I think, I think so. I think that people though, although, you know, I think part of human nature is being adaptive and resilient. If there was anything that could be human nature. I think that would be like the the biggest thing because I yeah. do think also that people are a product of their society and the social conditions they exist under. And yeah, absolutely. Um, with capitalism, like when you were talking about the, the cynicism earlier too, um, uh, and in the book, I think, I, I think that that's, I mean, I think capitalism wants us to be miserable, right? Like they want us to be miserable to some extent because then, you know, we're going to rely on uh, retail therapy or buying something that, you know, gets those dopamine levels going or um, spending a lot of time on um, games or media or yeah, whatever, or or a lot of money on pharmaceuticals or like 
um, medical procedures to change the way we appear or the way that we feel like we need to fit into the world. Like, I think it wants people to be dissatisfied and unhappy to the point where we're good consumers and um, spending money, but like not enough that it's too detrimental to the workforce or people going out. But the outcomes don't match. Like, it's not only is it not better outcomes as far as, um, sorry, that was the main thing, like with um, the way capitalism is so short-sighted and, and just profit-driven, like based on quarterly projections right. and such, right? Yeah, but it, short -term, it doesn't quarterly matter profit. about long term outcomes because it's it's proven that people who don't get paid time off or or sick days like end up sick more if they don't have you know as much if they're working more hours and and uh, the same with I mean I think that's just a reflection all throughout capitalism with um sex education the right. outcomes of like the way it's taught don't always reflect the values that are purported to be um, look, being looked at. And so I guess I also think that it is revolutionary to spend time um, being happy and being with the people that you care about, nurturing good Absolutely. relationships. Yeah. I think that we often feel like we don't have permission to do that because we see everything that's wrong, all the bad things, all the things that, all the suffering that, um, you know, ourselves and, and people we love experience due to um, profit motives that run our society. Yeah. And um, I think the... The point about channeling, you know, some of that into revolutionary activity or some of the crazy or I forget how you put it from from the beginning of the episode. But um, I think it is also very easy to get burnt out, to feel used up, to be like just yeah. exhausted and demobilized and demoralized through um, like the extended fight against capitalist exploitation and right. so it's worth it to take time and to nurture the things in your life that bring you happiness that you um, bring you connection because really you know our love for others and for the working class is what is going to be the um, lasting motivator and the real reason that change might happen that we can yeah. overcome you know everything else and all of our differences and, and whatever and be able to like work together to, to change things so yeah yeah sorry no i, I think went on a tangent there. no that <laughs> it, was, it was a brilliant it was a brilliant tangent i think look when we're talking about things that are antithetical to capitalism uh community love to like true loving meaningful relationships and connections are kind of antithetical to capitalism there's not a there's not a good way to really monetize that 
every solution that capitalism has offered for that are, you know, um, what, what they call it, like methadone treatments or whatever, right? They're, they're, they are symptom management. Uh, like you were saying, drugs, um, fucking games, television, little hits of dopamine that leave us feeling isolated still. Because the, the reality is that these are not, uh, that some of the things that give human beings the most amount of meaning are, it turns out they're, they're free. I know it's ridiculous to say, but the best things in life are free. Um, maybe, maybe it's this, they, all they require is just some cultivation and time and proximity. Uh, you look at, any of these like fucking tribes that are not contacted or that are out truly outside the system that truly exist beyond capitalism uh, as truly as you can nowadays, I suppose. But you look at how they live and you look at their concerns. I mean, how, when's the last time? Well, I mean, how many of them have like anxiety, anxiety or depression? You know, it's like, those things are societal ills, which are created by the system with which, which isolates us from one another and from meaningful sort of work, meaningful things that we can do in this life. Um, so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think that when we talk about challenging the system more broadly to go outside of just the individual acts, the individual radical act of cultivating loving relationships or cultivating community. Those things should be our guiding principles when it comes to challenging the structures as well. What are the things, what are the parts of the structures of capitalism that you want to challenge those things, which prevent us from forming meaningful relationships, you know, those things which take our time away from our loved ones and from each other, those things, which uh, take us away from being able to, pursue, uh, you know, the things that are beautiful, the things that we, the passions, the true passions, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think you're spot on with that. And I do think that's what Mark Fisher is clinging is, is saying to some extent in this work is, you know, these are, those are the things, the things that are truly antithetical to capitalism are really the places to start when it comes to uh, choosing what ways to combat it, to think outside of the reality that's been created by capitalism itself. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And definitely. And I don't think it's to say like, you know, just to ignore politics or the evils of the world or anything like that. Um, but to just appreciate and make time for the things that are going to give you the energy and the, the um, fortitude to fight for a better world, you know, and that is through other people and through community and through um, those that connection and feeling feeling connected. And so I just think often we just get into a, a doomer mindset or, you know, just how awful and yep. horrible the world is. And I've, I've definitely been there. I've definitely spent a lot of time there myself. And I think um, it's that, that, that in itself is, 
buying into the lie of capitalism and yeah. the um that it it's it's playing in then we're just playing our roles perfectly and if uh and to save you know that frustration and anger for the capitalists for the ruling class um to channel it to to have i think more compassion and understanding for the working class people who have different political ideologies i really yeah. appreciated what you said about the rage against the war machine like i think um that it when we look at history the most successful movements were able to bridge those um differences and to create solidarity um for the task at hand and even if it's only for this specific task and then we don't agree anymore we can <laughs> move our you know move on and yeah that's and fine pursue different things but if we're not willing to engage with people who have different ideas, then we're never going to be able to accomplish what we need to. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just really appreciated that perspective. And um, someone asked about like, how do we, I think it was Morgan and I guess he's, I don't think he's here anymore. So no, he, he asked a question. He's like, bye. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need an answer. See ya. <laughs> about engaging right and left workers though. And I think right. that can just happen in the workplace. Yeah, exactly. And, like in your workplaces. And I think often we're looking for a quick fix. Right. We want things to just change. And, right. um, and we just want it to be done overnight. And, doing the work actually takes time and and we all have our own limits and capacity and ability to contribute to that and i think you know it's important to evaluate what you feel you can do because we also are not individuals holding this entire burden on our own we right. have we can't take all of the failures of capitalism and imperialism and and all the woes of the world and and hold them on individual shoulders like um we have to we have to share that burden with with others so yeah yeah and not only do we have to share that burden with others but to attempt or even think that we have to take them on our own is a trick of capitalism itself. It's mm -hmm, part of the exactly. trick. So it's, 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 it, it the end of individualization of all of our societal systemic ills serves the same uh, sort of capitalist wheel or the capitalist machinery that is creating those systemic ills to begin with. Yeah. So, uh, we have to resist that temptation to think that I only I can save it. I alone could fix it, as, as Trump mm -hmm. would say or whatever, right? Or I alone should fix it. That's not how it works. Um, and even yeah. like, you know, I, I know it's in our – there's something about us that will ask questions about, um, you know, we'll, we'll oftentimes say things like um, – or we'll ask people questions about like, what do you think we should do? It is, I, I think it's equally valid to be attacking the things that we know we shouldn't do or that shouldn't be happening. That is doing something, 
right? To say, yeah. we shouldn't be going into debt for paying for medical care. We're going to get in there and we're going to stop that. And figuring out the solution from there, that's how people, you know, people have been solving problems for all of human history by first identifying the problem. That's how you come up mm -hmm. with the solution. You know, when old motherfuckers was like trying to move something from place to place and they're like, damn, I wish we had like something that could roll, you know, they, that's when the wheel was invented. It wasn't, someone wasn't just like, oh, ch check this out. I made this shape. I mean, maybe they were, maybe someone was just like, I made this shape. <laughs> I think we can just, you know, use it. But the idea of like. It's more likely. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. I, well, I think, I think like, you know, things like there are some things that you can like discover by accident too, which end up being really mm -hmm. good solutions. Right. But like, um, I guess, you know, someone getting hit in the head with an apple and like coming up Velcro, with the equation. Right. Isn't that Velcro is one of them. Yeah. Velcro. They're trying to do something else. White out. They were trying to do something else. And then they found out that something else, um, it was, I guess the, the woman was trying to make like white paint and then, accidentally made white out and then gave birth to one of the monkeys in the band the monkeys yeah one of the guys in the monkeys his mom made white out so uh <laughs> shout out to that monkey but it, you know you haven't seen the movie head with the monkeys it's really weird and surprisingly good so i recommend head? it to everyone yeah okay. it's just called head okay and it's it's just very trippy and psychedelic and weird but interesting <laughs> i'm gonna check that out then let me see monkeys head but yeah i i i, I you're hitting everything on the head as it were yeah. jade um well i appreciate it i appreciate your show and um i think i think you're i i appreciate your analysis a lot like i agree almost all of the time and I think uh, it's worth having these conversations and um, learning and talking to each other. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Oh, you, if you are in Chicago, have you been following the um, like uh, community control efforts in your in the city council? The what Much? control efforts? Community control. Like community control of police, like the independent, independent yes. civilian review yeah. board. That yeah, I, I'm familiar with it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't been following it as uh, closely as I probably should. Um, but I know Brandon Johnson, one of the big things with this uh, mayor, uh, mayor's races is uh, he's promising to implement some of that. And the DSA here has been doing uh, a lot of organizing around uh, him and a lot of other candidates to to uh push that initiative through um yeah, yeah i just know people working on that campaign and um it, it's just cool seeing it make progress <laughs> so yeah. uh yeah just wondering and i think uh, really yeah just oh the one final thing that i was going to say is um that along with the quick fix and doing the work, I think part of doing the work is just living the life you want um, to, you know, leading by example, talk, yeah. having conversations with people. Like 
I think about my political trajectory from being a, in a conservative family to maybe kind of libertarian, like as a teenager, um, to being a Democrat, to being a communist, like just like, right. and that it was through um, the people who were close to me, the people that I, um, you know, made, became friends with, found community in. Um, people that I trusted and and then you know we had conversations and I did my own investigation and and looked at um, theory and things as well and a lot of social socialist idea ideology is very intuitive for working class people so you know I think there's also that but um, yeah so just not to underestimate the difference that you can just make with just the people in your lives you know yeah yeah. And how important that is to uh, keeping you, uh, making you understand why you would fight for bigger things to begin with in a lot of ways. Like what, yeah. what you're fighting, why you're fighting for other people is because yeah. you understand the value of those connections that you can make in your own life. And people should be able to make those connections. Um instead of, I don't know, just fucking working all the goddamn time and making no money. Uh, but awesome, Jade. Uh, well, I really appreciate yeah. you calling in. Thank you so much. Yeah. And your kind Thanks. words. Yeah, awesome. have a great night. And yeah, you too. To the rest of the conversation. Bye. Yay. Yeah, you too. Bye. Uh, it's, it's funny, you know, sometimes uh, it's always nice to hear people... Uh, I don't know, say something nice about you, especially when sometimes I'm just up here making just pure dick jokes, just 100% uh, PP jokes, baby. Speaking <laughs> of PP jokes, what's up, PPK? How are you? <laughs> I was actually about to say nice things too. Like, I'm, oh, I, it was, it was breaking up during your opening analysis of uh, that book, and I'm gonna have to re-listen to it. Um, but uh, yeah, like. Once it's been, once you've been radicalized for a while, that capitalism is, it's like, it feels so bonkers that someone would be like, well, the burden is on you to go try it and prove it. Like, capitalism's yeah. only been around for 200 years and it destroyed everything. Like, the burden's on you that we should keep doing this. And it, and it didn't just, like, appear naturally out of, like, a beautiful evolution. It came about after, like, hundreds of years of global slavery. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I mean by that, by global. No, but, you no, know, no, no, you're right. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like things were good and then we just made them better. It's like things were horrific and then it somehow got worse, maybe? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's the burden on you point is always a weird one because capitalism didn't have to prove it's, for, first of all, if we're, if we're going by the burden standard, then capitalism is failing its burden right now in so far as it's destroying the planet in so far as it's creating numerous problems, which it does not solve. And in so far as it is not addressing any of the uh, social and societal ills that it has created uh, and that it is perpetuating and making get worse. So it's weird uh that someone, when they say the burn of proof is on you to prove that your entire system works in theory uh, before I have to address 
any of the actual hard evidence and the hard facts in front of me that show that the current system I'm running is fucking unsustainable. It's not sustainable. And, and like the fact that a dumb, dumb like me can not know too much about economics, not too much, know much too much about a lot of things and issue that critique and people cannot address it who are, they have to deflect you know, you'll every time you get into an argument with someone about this stuff, they'll instead point to, well, look at all the good stuff that capitalism's done. That's not what I'm talking about right now, dude. What I'm talking about is what's the plan here to stop the inevitable death that's being caused by this system continuing? And the fact that, like, people are not coming up with an answer or they say something like, oh, well, we'll come up with a solution when we get there. Why? Why would we? Why wouldn't we do that now? Like it's it's how how is it going to become profitable that there's going to be like the solution to global warming? How is that going to become profitable? You know how is that? It, it's fucking weird. And what happens to all the lives that are lost along the way? What happens to all the the lives of the people who are not good for profits or whatever? Do they just die? Like it's 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 wild that that is um. Yeah, I'm not yeah, a big fan dude, of people saying that shit. It is like, I mean, I I commuted in, but I <clears throat> I went to five high schools, and the the fifth one was uh, in Malibu. Five and high schools, holy shit! I was a bad kid, and for the last five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> I was a bad kid. Okay, okay, yeah, right on. La- we basically had two classes a day, and for the last five minutes, we would do like public event, public, you know, just like current events conversation. Right. And these kids were like, I, I had been to Calabasas High before this, and these kids were like so much richer. Um, I mean, their families, right? <clears throat> um, but yeah, at one point it was like AIDS in Africa came up, and one of them just really nonchalant said, Well, what else? How else are we going to control the population? And like, yeah, I that's... think that guy probably grew up to be the same person, you know? Yeah. And uh, one time I was like, This kid was like a famous person's, like, ultra famous persons and he always had a new pair of nikes and i was always like making fun of it i was one time i was like telling him how his shoes were made by child labor and he was like no way and uh i was like yeah huh it's like an actual news story like i'll come back to you know because this is before smartphones and then this other kid walks by this was literally next to a water cooler because the school only had 40 people um Mm -hmm. it's a yoga studio now but uh, anyway, this kid says, <laughs> where else are kids going to work? Where else are kids in those countries going to work a bank? So that person also, that was a different kid. <laughs> also probably grew up to be the same person. Nice. And these are the people that like run the world, you know? Um, yeah. And I well, mean, they're probably I, not even like Hamptons rich or whatever. This is like West Coast rich. But yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, when you live in a system that can sort of insulate you from that, from feeling really anything and sort of absolves you or allows you to absolve yourself and absolve, diffuse all responsibility for systemic injustices that are being caused by the continuation of the system. Uh, you could say some wild shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you okay, could say just some wild shit. Sort of like, just hard switch top. Like 
But just to respond to this, just buy a little bit of land stuff. Okay, I'm also in Florida and I'm seeing all this land for sale. It's not that cheap, first of all. And second of all, it's a swamp. Like, there's not like fr- there's not a fresh water well on it. Like the all the land, right. all the land that's five acres with a well is way too expensive for you to start a commune on. Like, I'm sorry. And it's not like like there are these like I was reading this thing about these birds in Florida and it's like one per one bird requires like a shit ton of like it was like a, an insane amount of land to survive because they need to like roam and hunt like humans are like that too you know like yeah. we don't need that much space but we need space to like grow some food and like go out and find some chickens and stuff and like that's all been destroyed in like three short generations yeah like it's so bonkers it's so bonkers. It's riling me up. <laughs> now get riled. Get riled. That's it. Get pissed. And then we direct all of our anger and mental illness at capitalism. That's the that's the solution. That's it. I'm gonna. I'm just turning all my crazy directly onto capitalism. Um, and uh, you know, and that's that is kind of. I mean, that is one kind of one of the things that Mark Fisher says here though right uh so i don't know it's a joke but maybe it's not maybe it's not for legal reasons it's a joke uh yeah i don't know can can you still hear me am i just talking into the void oh, did yeah, i sorry. okay <laughs> i ran out of interesting things to say i was but um, so i'll hang up and um oh yeah, you I'm always you, you, you're you're plenty interesting just in whatever you say, BK. So. <laughs> Thanks, man. But yeah, I really, um, I really appreciate your like, do you know, you have a real ass job and you still do this like real serious research and like you show up research. It's impressive. So, I try. Yeah. I try. But <laughs> if, if I tell you what, if like, I'm always embarrassed about the amount of research I'm able to do because it's never as much as I want to do. Like I want to, I want to fucking go in on it and, and, actually like really break down the topics but damn there there really are so many hours in a day um so it's it's uh but it's not can't be any one of us it has to be all of us doing stuff so i don't know maybe we well we'll, uh, who knows who knows we can ah sorry i'm also getting very tired (laughs) and i don't know why i had to get up early let myself fill some space you said what Oh, sorry. I, I totally missed it. Okay. Well, BK, thank you for calling in. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Okay. Ooh, slap in the face. Slap in the face because I still have to work out after this. I have to get on a bike and do stuff. And then I got to enter all my time, which is so dumb. Being a lawyer is so stupid sometimes. Like, I have to tell you what I was doing every six minutes today. Like, please kiss my ass. Um so Lysol, what's going on? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm uh I'm better. It's always fun to do the show and to to uh hear what everyone has to say, so that's been good. Sure. Hey, I appreciate the Capri Sun last night. That was delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I could only stop in for a bit, but uh people were <laughs> heated in that. People were all over the place. Uh that was fun. It's fun to see. Yeah, but uh found three people that agreed with him and it just kinda went downhill from there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's kind of what happens. But uh, it's yeah, it's funny how the culture like like uh, different shows have different like chat cultures. Like Sabby's, Sabby's is like that all the time. Yeah, 
like the worst of breeze is like pretty much standard for savvy and useful idiots and Katie helpers is somewhere in between. Although I feel okay. like there's more people trying to convince breed that they're better at debate than she is than there are in other shows. All these guys are like, let's say all the stuff. I'm like, well, why don't you hop on the phone and try to like talk to her about it? Cause she'll use a nice soft voice and all of your troll will melt away and you will have nothing left to say. Yeah. Brie is one of the most dangerous debaters I've ever seen. Uh, if she was in a courtroom, she would be, uh, fucking insane if she if she kept if she kept going on the lawyer track she would be uh she'd be she could be a johnny cochran easy she would she would absolutely rock people's asses um so i'm glad she's doing leftist stuff instead uh, <laughs> team. yeah yeah uh, and uh, but we got brie uh, oh yeah the, the only other thing i'd say about debating um and I don't think Bree does this, which is good. But one thing I'm always worried about with very good debaters is you can out-debate someone with a worse idea. You can have a worse idea, potentially. And just because you're really good at knowing how to frame it, knowing how to talk, knowing how to come off, uh, you can actually win the debate, and that can affect people. And I think that uh, Bree... I, I, I don't really see Brie doing that. I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw her do that. Um, but I'm always wary of that just a little bit. So I try not to, uh, cause you know, at work, that's what I'm doing all the time. It's just debating people and, uh, sometimes having worse ideas, right? <laughs> having a worse position with the law, but winning the debate. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's interesting, but, uh, you didn't call to hear me talk about Bree's debating skills. You called for some other reason. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I was, you know, I I'm with you on the whole imagination atrophy thing. Have I talked to you about Adam Curtis yet? No, I don't think you have. So he's a documentarian. Um, he's made a bunch of really good documentaries. Um, I first found out about him. His, he, made a, he made one in 2004 called The Power of Nightmares. And it was like, you know, it was 2004. So it was talking about like the bin Laden group and then like the Bushes and all of their history and kind of arguing that both of them are more alike than more like with each other than they are to the people they claim to represent. And he, uh, he also did one called the century of the self, which is about Edward Bernays. So I know a lot of people uh, on these Collins are always talking about Bernays. Um, okay. it's, a, it's a must watch. Um, then the one that's relevant to our discussion is called hypernormalization. And ah, I, I've heard of this actually. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, I think it's maybe three, three and a half hours at, at the very end, but it's, it's one of the best explanations I've heard for Trump, which is basically kind of like, so hypernormalization is a term from a Russian, Russian scholar. I forget what his name is, but he wrote a book called everything was forever until it's no more. And yeah. that's, it's about like the 1980s Soviet union. And basically just kind of like, you know, the Soviet Union was like we are right now. It's a bunch of like well-meaning people like checking all these, you know, arbitrary compul uh, compulsory um, boxes. So it's like, OK, well, let's let's do the thing that makes the makes the government think we're doing a socialism and then we can go to like, go back to like taking care of our families and providing mutual aid and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was just kind of like at that point, the imagination to atrophy because they'd been under communism. I mean, at that point, it's uh, 60 70 years at that point yeah. and the, the, in the documentary they pepper with like interviews of like young people in the soviet union asking what their dreams are and them just kind of like 
not even really knowing how to answer that question. And I, I don't know how much of that is being worried that they'll get turned in for sharing their dreams and how much of it is just kind of genuine, like, I don't know what to do. But I feel like we're the United States in 2023 is where Russia was somewhere between 1982 and 1989, I feel. I feel like yeah. none of this is sustainable, none of it's inevitable. And it really is for for lack of people's ability to view the world as any fucking different. We continue to paddle like paddle on paddle down this path. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there's there's definitely something to that. I I really think there's something to that. I'm I I'm gonna have to watch this um hypernormalization thing because I'm I'm listening to you as I'm on the Wikipedia page and it sounds fucking fascinating actually. Yeah. I mean you can kind of express it as a function of the further the quote unquote official truth deviates from reality the easier it is for people like conmen to play on the difference. And that's what Donald Trump is doing. Donald Trump's going to East Palestine right now and blowing people's minds by doing the bare minimum thing the Democrats refuse to do. Right. Yeah. You know, he saw an opening and like Donald Trump doesn't win in 2008. He doesn't win in 2000. Like America had to reach a a point of desperation where he was even remotely palatable. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. And that's, that's my biggest beef with people who are, uh, like hypercritical of either Trump voters or uh, of people who are challenging the notion of, 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 or, or, or looking at um, the circumstances surrounding Trump as the explanation for Trump, rather than personal individual failings of the voters and their moral, you know, uh, their, uh, the moral ineptitude or the moral uh, deficiency of those, the supposed moral deficiency of those voters. That's not, first of all, that kind of individualized explanation does not explain shit. It's just a way, again, to diffuse responsibility away from the circumstances that actually created uh, a situation to where someone as unserious as Trump and as destructive as Trump could be elected. So it, it's, it would be the same thing as saying that like individual consumerism is a reason for global warming. Well, it, no, that doesn't make sense. The the systems which both incentivize individual consumerism, but then also create products of consumption and 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 use methods of production which uh, unnecessarily are making the earth, uh, you know, changing the climate, are polluting the earth, are creating plastics and all of the water and everything else. Like that's those are the things that should really be critiqued here. Because it's, you know, like people are going to vote depending on where they feel their life is and where, how, what conditions they're facing in the same way that people are going to eat what food sources and packaging of those food sources that they have access to, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the individual model also relies on the belief that individuals are impacted by who they vote for for president. Right. And I- there's pretty scant evidence of that. The best explanation, best explanation I've heard for Trump is uh, Chris Hayes kind of described it, you know, the, the, the Democratic opposition as elite manners. And it was basically like, if you're watching a farce and there's one guy at the dinner party who doesn't know which salad spoon, which salad fork, which one's the salad fork, and doesn't know how to, doesn't follow in the manners, like your mind instinctively roots for that guy. Because you're like, fuck all these yeah. people at the dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where America it is. Fuck dinner parties 2024. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. Do you, do you listen to America this week? I don't. No. 
it's Taibi's new offering. It's him and a guy named Walter Kern. And it's great because, I mean, you know, like most people, I got into Useful Idiots format. And he's been talking a lot about, he, talk, he talks kind of at length about the Twitter files. And it's it's really good. And he was talking about, um, is it Air America? How, like, like, the United States used to, like, pipe in, like, radio stuff to, like, Eastern Europe, tell, like, accurately describing what's happening in their own country. And that it was just, like, you know, he was, like, proud of that idea because it was such a massive ideological own if like your own government's lying to you and then these people from like across the border are like, Hey, here's the stuff you're seeing on the street. It's actually happening. It's real. It's just kind of like you, there's this like unending devotion and it's kind of now we're doing that to our own country. And it's like, okay, if Russia today is giving American people a better representation of what's happening in America today than American, uh, American media, that's, it's not an indictment of RT America. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's tough though. It's, 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 it's it's funny how that works, right? How certain international news sources can be more accurate about what's actually happening in America than America because the news uh, sort of machine in America is so tied to and caught up in uh, the its relation with political elites and with corporate uh, donors and sponsors that they have to curtail or they end up curtailing their coverage to uh, not misalign them with their true masters, right? Uh, it is wild, though. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine from law school who. It's interesting. He he's like the only person in my in real life who listens to my show that I know of. Uh, outside of when I've done it, he listens to it like a normal podcast, um, and finishes the episodes and then he'll fucking call me <laughs> and, you know, like want to talk about everything we just talked about on the podcast or something. And he's got a lot of different thoughts, but it's interesting how we had to talk last night about uh, the war in Ukraine and how different his view of things was from reading the New York times, reading, reading a lot of these more establishment news sources uh, than, you know, the, the, the view of the war that you would get if you were reading uh, Seymour Hersh's uh, Substack, right? Uh, and he just had this moment where he was he was almost defeated, and like I don't even know. He 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 acknowledged that like he has this uh, he has to trust certain news sources to report something accurately uh, or he has to trust, he has to have a level of trust to consume media uh, that is reporting on world events, right? None of us are going and in, in independently fact-checking what we're seeing in the New York times or what we're seeing in even Cy Hirsch's subsack, right? To some degree, all information and knowledge requires a level of trust to an institution or a person or some other individual some other entity that's outside of ourselves and the frustration that he had and just not even fucking knowing where where can he even go for accurate information is uh i mean it's a frustration that that we all deal with it's a frustration that i dealt with i mean just the other day there was a whole i think someone uh stoopy or someone came on the podcast and uh for the first time i was hearing that parts of the uh 
the uh, the story about the Uyghur re-education camps in China, that parts of them were perhaps embellished. And then I look into it and maybe, maybe that's so. But there's part of me too that's like, I don't, like, fuck, man. When it comes to something that's so, uh, not just inflammatory, but seems like really important, uh, is this genocide or not? And I can't get a fucking straight answer or a straight story. Uh, that's, I don't know, that's that's a hard world to live in. That's a scary world to kind of live in. And uh, I guess it just gives me a lot more empathy for people who, not, not you know, not necessarily like the QAnon stuff, but like people who are so separated from each other that they they they're living in different realities um i don't know that i i just find that that's a really difficult problem and it's one to where it, it, it at least it makes me respect the work of people like Cy Hirsch more uh people like Matt Taibbi even though uh i know a lot of people have criticisms of him for maybe talking about this whole twitter files thing like who's being censored more or whatever i do tend to think that the work he's actually doing there is important, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I unconditionally support what he's doing. And I think that Brie asks pretty decent questions and, you know, yeah. it's okay to get frustrated. I don't feel like, I mean, I, I, I feel confident speaking for Brie that she doesn't think any less of Matt because She's dealt with a lot worse, like Joe Chicharroni and stuff. Yeah. Um, I bet Matt's probably still into it because at the end of the day, if like he goes back and looks at it, like he was, you know, I feel like he kept sliding into the, this is how I talk to liberals on, on Twitter. And Bree's like, no, no, I'm not that person. Please have a conversation with me. And he's just like, yeah. okay, but that's, I didn't, I didn't come yeah. prepared for a conversation with you. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I and I get that too, though. I mean, like, I I do, I I do think that sometimes we forget how human all of us are. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like to have thousands of people tweeting at me all day. Well, first, I don't have Twitter anymore because I, it like, why? I don't like what the fuck that I don't think I've ever done anything productive on Twitter ever. Maybe I've seen a story come out like five minutes before uh, I would have seen it otherwise, but uh, you know, whatever, but I can't imagine what it would be like to have people constantly interacting with you all day or bots, whatever they are, whoever the fuck everything is uh, either telling you you're a piece of shit or you're dumb or you're fucking ugly or something like that or whatever it is. And, and the, the kind of impact that that could have on the human psyche. And uh, I understand when people are in certain situations, they're more defensive than maybe they otherwise would be. Uh, what, I, what I have a harder time understanding is how there seems to be this, this tendency for people to want to identify with one side or another, dig in their heels and not let any other information sort of change the fact that maybe they're just like getting big mad for no reason, you know, like maybe people having a disagreement on a podcast is not something that should end up being 
the the whole it shouldn't take up the conversation of our entire political discussion you know like maybe we don't need to do that uh i don't know it's 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 i i i do think some of this you know i i i i know i give jonathan shit at times for the uh some of his takes about identity but there is something to be said about uh i i think from from this reading about how how so many of our battles against capitalism end up taking the form of symbolic nonsense, which accomplishes nothing. And I'm not talking about like meaningful acts, like dedicating time to loved ones and community. That's a meaningful act in and of itself. That's a real thing that capitalism does not want you to really do because it's, it's antithetical to the goals of, exploiting you for profit. Um, but I do think some of this stuff, you know, like uh, having, I don't know, an anti-capitalist stance about something and then just leaving. Uh, some of the more symbolic aspects are kind of dumb. Like who cares? Like, or, or talking shit about who was at the rage against the war of machine. I don't care. I literally do not. I, I, I literally do not care if I'm willing, my, my, my view is always this, like if we're willing to, if what we're facing is potential death of our species and of all of us and, and, and our, the world, uh, and what we're willing to give is our everything, our lives, our time, everything else, then like, if I'm willing to give my life, why am I not willing in some sense to give up some of my pride and some of my ego? Like if I'm willing to protect the ego first, but not the life, then I have my priorities a little fucked up and meaningful change has to come from people who are willing to make, uh, not necessarily just like compromises, but like to keep their eye on the ball to really not lose sight of the fucking end game here. Uh, and I don't know, sometimes people just, they get too online with that shit or they get like too, it becomes about them. No fucking revolution should ever be about you. Like more about you or your ego or are you hurt or not? I'm sorry. I know that sounds a little like fucked up, but when the hurts that we feel so often are coming from these systemic issues, then you have to attack the system that creates the hurt. And part of that is like working through it. Um, it doesn't invalidate your pain. It doesn't invalidate your experiences. It doesn't invalidate anything, but uh, it's not the work of an individual sort of uh, like individual madmen or whatever. It's the work of, a system. I mean, even if we think about things like, you know, like the uh, things like the Me Too movement and everything, right? Which absolutely like needs to happen, needed to happen. Absolutely. But the, the idea is we don't want to create more men who are going to or, or people who are going to think that these are the kinds of interactions that it was OK to have with with women. But when you have that many people who are having those interactions, it's a systemic issue. You have to fight the system that is producing 
uh, monsters that's making that's making people into uh, predators. Does that make sense? Am I making sense, people, or am I just getting real sleepy? It does make sense. I okay. think. I mean, so you know, when, when I feel like Martin Luther King and um, Malcolm X had both, you know, I mean, when I think of like you know any sort of like cultural change and movements that happened in the sixties, because I believe they were both assassinated before before the seventies, right? I think it was like 68 yes, and 69. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, one of them was 60, I think it was 68. I think that was um, MLK. It was either 68 or 66. I don't know. I'll just look it up. Using is, my... I, I always wonder how much, I mean, you know, it's so, I, you know, being in, being in drag, I'm adjacent to the sober community. So there's a lot of sober drag queens. And one of the biggest things about that is when they're trying to straighten somebody's life out, it's not mm-hmm. just about keeping them from doing things. It's about giving them a purpose and they, the yes. concept service. And I feel like yes. that was yes. a consumption with MLK and Martin Luther King or MLK and Malcolm X is they both were deeply religious people and religions that believed in the concept of service and believed in the concept of something bigger than themselves. And I don't know how much of that's religion and how much of that is leadership, but I do feel like there's a void of leadership and the people scrabbling get to the top are either feds or grifters. And Brianna's like, yeah, no, I'm careerist. You know, I bet if you ask Kyle Kalinsky, I bet if people said, Kyle Kalinsky, you should run every podcast by the end, by the end of the year, he would run like the rest of those people. I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of ego in that type of stuff. Like, I feel like that's RBN's biggest falling is they see this void, like we can step up, but like, they're not, they're not quite ready to do it slash. They don't know how to do it without punching sideways. Yeah. And, 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 and there's ego involved there too. Right. Like this idea of who are the fake revolutionaries and who are the, the, you know, who like they have to think that they have the, the, the ability to tell who's a grifter, who's not the, some of the stuff they say about the PMC, which, you know, like, yeah, we suck. The PMC definitely fucking suck ass. Don't get me wrong. But like, it's, it shows more resentment in almost like their personal, feelings towards people than it does a willingness and a belief in doing whatever the fuck we need to do to get to the next step. You know, like the Marianne Williamson, um, <laughs> oh God. appearance, I think like, I totally understand the frustrations. I really, really felt when Compton J was, was super upset after the, the, the show or the, the, the interview attempt. Um, but what is the resentment in and of itself is not a radical act. Anger in and of itself is not a revolution. I'm sorry, but that will not work. You need to direct it. You need to understand what to attack. You can't attack everything and everyone around you. That's an individual, that's individualized sort of, that, that is the manifestation of our own individual, like, uh, trauma coming out and, and beginning to be misdirected against the source of the system, which is compounding the things that are making us all go nuts. And that is, that's the recognition that we need to see, um, if you're going to have a serious revolutionary movement, honestly. So I, I, um, yeah, I would just, I would, I would say that too. Although I, I, you know, I definitely respect 
what they're doing. And I respect that people are trying to do something, but you know, if I, I, I'm willing to work with some mother, I'm willing to work with whoever I need to work with to, to actually fight power. Uh, and I think that's, that's uh, something we should be, we should be considering more seriously if we're going to be serious about this shit. Otherwise oh, we're, we're just cosplaying, you know? And that brings me, you know, my pet peeve. I hate the phrase unserious. There is nothing less yeah. arrogant in the world than calling somebody other than yourself unserious. It's such yeah. a self compliment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't yeah. think they understand yeah. how, how badly that sounds. That's fair. Me. That's fair. Yeah. 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 I mean, I am both a deeply serious and incredibly unserious person. I started a fucking David Bowie church, but I also be yeah. very, very passionately about that's this stuff. Fucking like, sick. That's kind sick. That's sick. It was just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's called the first church of the sacred silver sexual. It's been around since 2011. Oh, that's awesome. That's so fucking sick. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to listen to Bowie when I'm working out now. Uh, but th- Lysol, uh, thank you so much for calling in. Um, I I appreciate it, and uh, I'll make sure we have Capri Suns next time we're in the Breeze chat. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Good talking to you. Yeah, always a pleasure. Derek, what's going on? What's up, homie? How you doing? Oh, hello? Oh, Derek, I can't hear you, bud. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Oh, okay. It's a crazy app just uh Pulled some weird shit, but all right. Yeah. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, man. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, I like to show up whenever you're around because uh, I think you're kind of a badass, bide. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, I do kind of worry. Like, there's there's all this inspiration that I get, you know, that vibe from you. Um yeah. You know, there's more than just uh, the superficial, hey, look at me, I'm fighting, you know. You're willing to extend yourself in ways that most people aren't. I respect that. You know, but I do get this feeling like, fuck, there's some vulnerability there that I just kind of want to, like, protect you. Like, this vibe out there that's coming at you, you know. So, do you know what I'm talking about? I I mean, like, look, I, I... First of all, thank I mean, man. That's that's really nice of you to say. First of all, Derek, uh, it's weird. I know we don't all know each other, but I it's strange. I kind of feel the same way about you. I know that's. I don't want to make this a fucking like love session or whatever. But honestly, yeah. you know, when I'm thinking about, uh, I, I think in a lot of ways you you are able to articulate how so many of the frustrations that so many people feel under this system in a way that's very like raw and, and and connected to how it actually feels. Um, if, if that makes sense. And, but I, I, I am getting to this point too, to where, um, we have to be willing to not, we ha- we know that you know to the extent that we 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 are able to recognize things as precious as 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 worth protecting then i think we have to expand that out we really do i mean i i am 
this has been a very weird development for me because there's so many things I never thought I was going to get involved with that I'm getting involved with more and more. Uh, and I want to continue to get involved with just because I think that I think this might be it. And if this is it, then I, I wouldn't feel good about myself if I did not try to protect those things, which matter to me. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, if I, and, and part of that means um, we have to be willing to sort of, uh, you know, accept some of these risks. I mean, we're, we're talking about challenging a fucking system that is fine with like exploiting kids in diamond mines and shit. You know, right. it's not exactly a big heart. Of a, you know, it doesn't exactly have a, a huge soft spot in it, but like, who else is going to, who, if not us, who is, is going to fight it? If if not now, then you know when. It is, I'm like, I, it's really fucked up, man. Because it's like, in some ways, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy that like. I mean, like, I, if I'm uh, – all this shit is out there now, right? Like, it's public. If I did this all again, I'd have a different avatar, and I wouldn't put my name, and I'd just do whatever. But I know that, like, if my job finds this, I'm probably fucked, you know? I'm, 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 I'm probably just like that. Like, I'm – they're like, this is bad for our brand or whatever. And it's like, like I, I get it, but it's like – when are people going to start taking some risk to to try to I, I don't know do something about this? You know, like it it it's necessary. It's like when when you know I'm in Chicago, I see more fucking tents every day, and I can't. It's impossible for me to give enough money to solve this it's 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 not enough you see these old I, man i saw this fucking brother on the street today man you know he's like 65 or 70 and in black years that is fucking 278 years old okay he is out there on the corner it's cold today and he's selling these these things called streetwise streetwise any of you who've been to chicago i don't know if it's just a chicago thing but um they're basically magazines that are created and made by the homeless with little articles and stuff in them. But the, uh, the, and it's not just the homeless, but it's people who are, you know, economically uh, vulnerable in the most vulnerable situation. And what they do is these people uh, who sell the, the, the people who sell the streetwise, they go and they buy the streetwise for half price, and sell all the magazines on the street corners for, uh, you know, double that. And it's like a, it's like a, a, a like a homeless entrepreneurship program or whatever the fuck. But like, this is a guy who's like sixty eight or whatever, cold, selling these fucking magazines on the street, and I don't have cash, and I just see all these people walking by, and t like fucking tell me that dude isn't fucking trying, man. Tell me, like, tell me he's not tr fucking trying to, 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 
to to pay rent, to pay for whatever bill he has, to, to just fucking make it. And what kind of nation are we living in where we have all this money and all this fucking we, – we have all of this and people like him are, are still having to be an individual out on the street trying to sell $3 magazines to people to keep a roof over his head or whatever. Like right. this is fucking madness. It's madness and people should be angry and people should be upset and people should believe that it can change. And if it can't change, I don't fucking care. Like I'm well, like you have to fight it anyways. Like we all we all know it, it can. It that, can. That's why that's it why it can. bothers you. That's why it bothers me and all kinds of yeah. people that care. Because it can, and it, it wouldn't even require a lot of effort. It, it, it just requires the effort. It just requires us. To, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. And it's, it's uncomfortable, man. I, I am, I, I'm honestly, like, when I think about it too much, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, you know, a couple of times I've, 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 been you know during breeze call in i'll say she should run you know you should run for office you should run for office first of all she if if any one of us was like the most capable of like uh any kind of crossover appeal and just i mean imagine brianna debate stage it's over right like you're 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 no one is gonna fucking stump her shit on the debate sure. stage it's, it's impossible but she doesn't but if want as a democrat she wouldn't win anyway well that's probably true too but and and you know what I'm a little more open to like I do think third party is probably the way to go, but probably what we should be lobbying for first and foremost is opening up avenues for third parties to make them more viable. And then it, depending on what location we're in, I'm not opposed to people running as Democrats, but it just it just someone has to make it make sense for the the particular situation for me. But I right. I, I tend to agree that like. We don't want to give fucking credence to the Democratic Party more as an institution because look at what they do with the credence that the leftist credence that is given to them. They they squander it and fuck it all up and end up doing more damage to leftists in general and an actual message of something like Medicare for all. Then uh, and they still get the points from like posing as a progressive. It's 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 fucking ridiculous. But uh, you know this this. Bree, you know, when I when I would ask her to run, she doesn't want that smoke. You know? And, you know, to be honest, I don't want that smoke. No one should want that smoke. No one wants to what do I want to do? I want to like you run for office. Everyone is digging up everything that's ever happened in your past. You're being harassed. I mean, hearing how Shahid Butler too, Buttar, sorry, Shahid Buttar, uh the some of the stories he went through from running against Nancy Pelosi is insane to me. But like at a certain point, if, if, if we're acknowledging the fact that the system is willing to kill us and drain us slowly and to take every ounce of, of, of life and brightness and beauty from us <clears throat> in the sake of buying a bigger yacht, then fuck them. Then we have to be vulnerable to some extent. We have to be willing to take the heat because the heat is on us. The heat is already here, right? It's, 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 it is what it is. 
You know, like we're, the situation that we're in is a situation that we're in. So if that's going to be the case, then, you know, part of us has to have a, a little bit of a YOLO attitude here. Like, fuck it. We something's got to give. Something's got to give. And if no one's giving it to us, we have to take it. We have to take it. And that's I'm wondering what that means. Uh, wondering it, what it, that means in the present it, circumstance. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I think we're all trying to figure that out, Derek. I, I really do think, I mean, I hear people uh, on various call-ins who are, you know, you can tell they're all really trying to figure it out. They want something to do. They And, and you know, I'm trying my little things here and there. I'm trying the, you know, the organization to uh, introduce legislation that puts the caps on uh Salaries for people in, in in public office, or not just salaries, but the, you know, the increase in net worth. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to do a lot of things. I mean, I'm 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 interviewing to try to work at the Department of Labor, just so I can get in there and learn everything and and start, uh, you know, f- figuring out what I like. If nothing else, that knowledge will be important for organizing and 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 assisting workers later right but that's that's the kind of you know trying to learn trying to figure these things out but um the fact that people are here trying to figure things out and that we're still um like we're gonna have to be a little vulnerable and we're gonna have to do our best to protect each other yeah, I, I think that part of be, being vulnerable means getting honest with yourself. And yeah, I mean, you know me a little, right? I don't, I don't like bullshit, but I don't yeah. like bullshit in myself either. You know, yeah. um, when I think back to like the Me Too movement was brought up earlier. Yeah, that should have been the pinnacle of fucking opportunity hmm. to push Democrats in the right direction. And all I saw was hypocrisy, you know, this misplaced yeah. loyalty to a party that doesn't give a fuck about women's rights, never did. Uh, just disgusting. Right up until that convention, they had every opportunity to say, no, we're not going to go with this uh, ob- yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> incredibly obvious fucking sexual harasser, uh, to put it like... In polite terms, because the, and I, I fucking hate Democrats now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons yeah. right there. Yeah. Half the population, you know, and, and so many Democrats decided to make excuses for this guy, even though they had a perfectly good, legitimate candidate that is wildly popular. What are you supposed to do with these people? But I mean, I, I as an you you know I'm I'm an independent. When I think back to Hillary versus Trump, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's time to make leftists uncomfortable too. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I mean, the truth is, all kinds of people like me decided, even though they hated Trump with everything they have. They knew that she was more likely to push that fucking button with the Russians. They yeah. knew it. Yeah. She threatened to, or she, what was it? Not threatened, but uh, 
she advised that we shoot down Russian jets over Syrian airspace? It's fucking that's, insane. That's, that is insane, dude. But it's like, insane that 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 wasn't even considered something to contemplate among Democrats. Hmm. But you know, like independents aren't gonna like a lot of people don't understand. Like that's why Trump won. That all kinds of independents saw that, and they hated Trump, and they decided decided to do what was basically the responsible thing to do in that situation. They voted for the lesser evil, and yeah. it looks like we're going to go into round two of this. Well, it, and and it's bothered me ever since because I don't yeah. know if I made the right choice in voting for Jill Stein or if I should have voted for Trump because Democrats have lost their fucking minds. Well. The the problem with voting for Trump in this situation, Derek, is that it will perpetuate the same system. You know, but that's what I, that's what I'm getting at the yeah, the full of shit yeah. stuff. Yeah, if this yeah. is an an actual ex, as existential threat, if nuclear fucking exchange is a possibility, and I think it is, and I think a lot of people like to yeah. pretend it away. No, I think because it, is. it makes them really. uncomfortable, and their social kind of oh, what will the other leftists think? What will you know? But if we want to stop nuclear war, and it comes down to Biden versus Trump, I'm please leftists, please yeah. Yeah. make your voices louder. Because these fucking, these little demonstrations, what would it take? I mean, if, if, if you want to demonstrate against the possibility of what we're facing, you double the numbers of people that show up. It's fucking nothing. You multiply yeah. it by 10. What effect would it have? It would still be less than the people that showed up to protest against what we did in Iraq, right? So, I mean, we can, we can, we can talk about, oh, fuck. It makes us feel better, right? We're still fighting. But well, are we? Well, but, but that's, that's I, I think, and one of the reasons I like this, this work so much, um, the one we were reading, the, the, the subject for tonight's episode, Capitalist Realism. Um, what's the, the, the rest of the... Let me let me get the rest of the title because it is is it's like here we go. Uh is there no alternative? That's it. Capitalist realism, is there no alternative? Is it addresses some of these it addresses how and why capitalism is so good at turning so much of our anti capitalist and anti imperialist uh, activism into a uh performative act that has no teeth and then give suggestions as to how you go outside of that, right. how you can actually fight outside of that. I think we need more of that. And of course, you know, of the, course, the, but isn't this where the conversations are always going to go? I mean, not to be a dick. Some, yeah. Cause no, I think it's, you're it's right. an avoidance strategy, an emotional it attachment. Is. It is. No, uh, I a hundred percent agree. Basically agree I'm trying to get you to talk me down by it because to me, I'm looking around and I'm seeing leftists that like to pretend that they're interested in stopping a war when if it, if it comes down to it, if it's Trump versus, Vi versus Biden, I mean, we all know that Trump is less likely to escalate tensions with Russia compared to Biden. Yeah. So what? Do we, it's like pretend time. I don't want to be full of shit. I don't care if every leftist in the country hates my guts. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, we can't have this. Yeah. Even if I, even if it's not full on fucking nuclear exchange, 
we know exactly how disgusting, you know, the, the, the people in our government have been. Yeah. The Nord Stream pipeline? Yeah. That's an act that's, of war that, right that's there. That's what fucking gets me, Derek, is, is like that Cy Hirsch, I'm, I'll be honest, part of me does not want to fully believe it. Because that, like, the the fact that we would do that is so fucking disgusting to me and and scary and shows a complete disregard for the people who they're supposed to be protecting right the and same people that did that us. if us. we can't imagine if we can't get honest enough and imagine that the same people that orchestrated that would be perfectly willing to do all kinds of other things in order to justify using some kind of, you know, even just introducing nuclear small fucking small arms, any nuclear at all. Yeah. I don't trust us. I don't trust our leadership. That's what I don't trust. I think that's fair. I think they look for it. I'll say, okay. So I'll address first the, the elephant in the room with, with the Trump vote. You're, I'll say this, you're not not making a sensical argument here. I mean, you're, I understand. I completely understand that. I, 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 my only hesitation would be I voted for Biden for the same reasons because I thought Trump was going to be – was way more damaging. And even though I don't like Biden and I really disliked – voting for him uh and i felt like i i felt like one a vote doesn't really matter that much and two to the extent to where i feel like there are immediate threats that are going to give us time to do the real politics as chomsky calls it outside of the voting booth uh biden would give us more time to do that rather than trump who seemed to be about as you know he seemed a lot more openly fascist Right? Uh, are they both fascists? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, think, I think I think definitely so. But the the openness and the brazenness of Trump actually does add something to uh, the equation. It 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 totally shatters the illusion of of rule of law. And I think that that was an important step. I mean, as someone who was a uh, you know one of the things I studied in college specifically was the Holocaust. I do think that that ramping up of the brazenness was something that Trump was doing. Not necessarily that he had it against any one particular group or another or anything like that, but there is something, yeah, yeah, the rhetoric and the, 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 the ability or the, the, the kind of like fuck you cowboy factor of like, I'm going to uh, try to use force, the state monopolistic power of violence first, and then figure out whether we can do it later. That, that actually matters. Right. And I do think Trump would do that again. But that being said, I mean, I voted for Biden because of that reason and for harm reduction. And look at where we're at. You know, I was feeling real fucking good when we pulled out of fucking Afghanistan. I was I was having a great day that day, even with all the chaos. I like that. I like that. All, All I could think was, oh, so where are they sending them now? At that point, uh, you know. Now we know. See, see, see. What's that's, coming? That's, and perhaps I should have known better, but you know, Derek, when when we're in this shit for like 
you know, that was 20 years, man. That was like 20 fucking no, years. And you think there's nothing else? You know, yeah. you think, well, well, finally. And then we're right back in this shit. We're spending more. We're on pace to spend more in Ukraine right now than we spend in fucking Afghanistan and Iraq. Are you oh, shitting me? I know. Like, what the fuck are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? So when I see shit like... Now, yeah, Trump that doesn't saying, tell me that they're going to de- de-escalate anything. That tells me they're all in. And that it, scares the shit out of me. It, it, it should. It should. I, I think it's fucking crazy when people are not acknowledging the fact that, like, the the potential for the actual use of nuclear weapons here is actually very high. And every strategy that we've been taking, I'm sorry, but blowing up a pipeline of someone you're not at war with, even if you're supporting a different nation in that war, and a pipeline that in part belongs to one of your fucking NATO allies, you fucking idiots. Like, doing that is fucking insane. Brilliant, yeah. It's insane. What the fuck are you doing? And then they think that's not going to lead to a nuclear war. I've heard people make the argument now, Derek, that like, well, if Russia launches a nuke, they won't get everybody. What the fuck are you talking about? That's what I'm talking about. That's that's what scares me. It's it's not just our leadership. If we had, in the same circumstances, leadership that on both sides, Russia and and here in the U.S., if we had leadership that we thought were like basically reasonable, it would be – like, okay, I see where you're coming from. You don't think things will escalate in this way that I'm worried about um, because these people are kind of like reasonable, I guess, yeah. somewhat, or at least their strategy is like in some way rooted in, in self-preservation, but we're, we're, right. we're not, right. we're not looking at leaders like that. And, and not, then I hear people not. come up with the very sophisticated ideas for why these horrible fucking scenarios won't play out and i'm like wait a minute you're the same person that thinks putin is a fucking psycho trump's a fucking psycho biden's a fucking psycho everybody's a fucking psycho but you think these fucking psychos are going to make the right fucking decision they're going to make a calm reasonable decision when it comes to escalation no Right. What the fuck? There. That's what I'm saying. There's a psychological thing going on with way too many fucking people. They're trying to pretend away some realities. No, they're it, psychos. It, it is. It is. <laughs> we need to fucking back the fuck out. It, yes. 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 We do. I mean, I'm. We can't I'm trust our own leadership. Sure. Our own fucking leadership. It, it's, it's insane that people you are electing to have your best interests at heart are literally trying to, um, you know, are literally pushing something unnecessarily, something as devastating and life-altering as a war. Like, fuck all the civilians in Ukraine, right? That's what they're saying, too. Like, they say they wave these fucking flags and say, oh, you know, we support people. Motherfucker, you interfered with a potential peace deal between the two nations fighting that war, right? Ukraine and Russia, you interfered and nixed it. Don't you fucking yeah. come here then and tell me that you give a fuck about any of those civilians in Ukraine that you're fucking crying so much about when you're stopping war from effect. Like right. when, when you're, when you're interfering with a stop to the war, 
that's devastating their fucking lives. Suck my dick, dude. Like, please yeah, and we real. Could, and we can talk about the propaganda and show all kinds of empathy and, and really want to reach out and try to change the minds of these Democrats. Yeah. But the reality is, fuck, man. They try to justify everything. They're capable of justifying anything. Forget about Ukraine versus Russia. How close were we to having like infants fucking taking the vaccine forced? Yeah, you know, it's like it's kind of wild. If like, there the wasn't any stuff. any any kind of like backlash yeah. at all, how far are Democrats willing to go to get their fucking way? It, it, they scare me more than Republicans right now. That, this I'll is what scares me too, though, Derek. Is I I I think one of the things that came out in in this reading too is how good uh, capitalism is at deflecting blame too, right? All of this blame being on Democrats and Republicans, on our elected leaders, on like, as if they're the ones who are really responsible for them being there rather than their corporate masters kind of pushing them in there. You know, the reason why so much of American foreign policy was the fucking same for the past However many years, despite regardless of who was in office, whether it was fucking Obama, who his whole promise was to get us out of these wars or, you know, Bush before him or fucking Clinton before that or whatever the fuck. Right. Like the fact that that foreign policy was all the same is because apparently these political masters, they're real masters, these these corporations and these special interests want it that way. And that yeah. is what I find so terrifying, too. Because, you know, like there were reports of like these different banks, these American banks meeting with Ukraine to start talking about who's going to start building back Ukraine once the war is over. They're already trying to put out loans and stuff to create a big old to fund a big old construction project that's going to be backed by the U.S. dollar and the U.S. of A to rebuild Ukraine, you know, and and yeah, shocking. It's fucking insanity. It's insanity. And that is... I... I, I Okay, well... So, 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 you know, when we talk about just getting back to the idea of, like, wanting to protect each other in this, I think, I think we're at the point to where we have to understand that there's no choice now but to take some risk. There's no choice but to make ourselves independently maybe a little vulnerable and collectively a little vulnerable because the alternative is sleepwalking into the apocalypse, which is fucking insane because it seems like no one would ever do that. No one would ever do that. I'm sorry. I have enough evidence now to be convinced that, oh, yeah, we would definitely do that, which is one of the reasons why, you know, the the book that – I was talking about is capitalist realism, but why I put the surrealism in it too is because sometimes it feels like we're in a fucking dream. Like we're just in some kind of ethereal bad trip state where none of this is actually happening. We're in some kind of fucking simulation. And even if we are dark time, even if we are, it, it, you know, it, it's maybe it's all simulation. I got to fight for people like, and me and all of us, like it's not. Because this shit still hurts when we get hit. You know, psychologically, I'm still feeling something. 
And well, maybe that, we're not on the maybe we're not on the darkest timeline either. Maybe if if Hillary yeah. had won, we'd have a full on fucking war right now with Russia instead of delaying it's, it. It's it's very fucking possible. But the, I'm acting. I I think we should continue acting in a way that makes under the belief or the assumption that we could still change shit. That there is still time for us to to move, but we got to move now. We we have to move. And that's that's what's important, um, you know. Okay. I, I, so, I, all right, if we boil away all the rhetoric and all the good intentions, yeah, and all the what we should do and why we should do it, um, not to put you on the spot, uh, just because I I I do respect you and I I'd, I'd love to hear your your answer. Um, not fucking with you. Um, if it comes down to Trump versus Biden, and I want to prevent any kind of nuclear chemical or biological ex- escalation on the battlefield. Can you honestly tell me that I should not vote for Trump? Me? Can I honestly tell you that? No. What do you think is the better choice to prevent? I don't think, the, well, those I, I think, I think it's a difficult choice. I think for that scenario, probably Trump, if I'm being honest. Um, Fuck. But Fuck, I man. don't think, I mean, but I don't think uh, here's the thing is I don't think that's – it goes back to my initial Biden vote, right, is you don't know what ills are going to come out of the situation. And no, what but we, if, what, if we're and, facing and, an existential threat and we prioritize that – Trump is also an existential threat. That's the thing. It's not the same, but we're going back to – I don't know. I don't know, man. To, uh, My heart hurts. I mean, I'd love to hear what's more openly and honestly a fascist. I mean, the censorship it's, we've it's seen from tough. Democrats and how they embrace it. I'm not just worried about leadership and their decision making. I'm worried about the entire mentality of people that think they're humanitarians as they pursue nonstop warfare to the point of actually encouraging uh, more war with the nuclear power that has uh, a shit ton of intercontinental ballistic missiles. Yeah. Um, yeah. People that embrace censorship, like it's, uh, you know, a, a good thing. They're doing a good thing. They're they're not doing a bad thing. They're doing a good. They're saving us yeah. with the censorship. They don't care about Julian Assange. They don't care about journalism. The vaccine no, thing it, made it clear it, it, that they didn't even care about science when it comes right down to it. We, have, we haven't heard anyone apologize. It's our institution. No, because they're they're caught, they're 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 captured, and that is so dangerous. Because for all the good scientists and great minds that we have here, when when they are not allowed to work outside of the. Uh, the confines of corporate approved narratives. And we're, we're in, we're in for, we're in a real pickle. We're in a real, real pickle. Um, Do you yeah. think Democrats will ever care about their presidential? I don't think Democrats or Republicans. Rigged? I don't think Democrats or Republicans will ever care to be, to be frank. I think, I think, I think the system, it's right, not them. It's the corporate people controlling them. It's, I know, it's, I know. it's, it's capital. Republicans and capital will do what it needs to do to protect its power. But specifically, so, do you think Democrats, everyday people that you know and I know, 
We all know. Oh, it. you mean like like individuals, think, like individual yeah. people who you are think they're ever going to care? Right? Millions of Democrats. Do you think they're ever going to care about whether or not their presidential primaries are rigged and our votes are thrown yeah, in the gutter? I think, I think a lot of them do, actually. I think I think what we'll see, Derek. Honestly, I oh. think what we will honestly see is if you say so. I don't know. Well, I mean, look at me. I'm I'm somewhat proof of this concept, right? Or or I'm I'm at least a testament to. Uh, someone who's, if you're looking at circumstances and looking how they could potentially be radicalizing, I mean, I'm one of those people. I, if you would have talked to me in, in college, I would have been all up Obama's ass and been like, they, they only hate him because he wore a tan suit. Because he's a tan suit bomber. You know? No. Like, he's fucking I <laughs> using you. drones to kill civilians. Like, that's a <laughs> pretty big deal. And I, I hear think you, more and more it sounds like wishful thinking, by it. It does. I, you know, but at like, this point, there's too much stacked up at, that they the clearly don't Derek, care about. You know, Derek, what did I tell you at the beginning, though? Right? Like, even if the whole enterprise is hopeless, I have to act and fight and challenge like it's not. That's part right. of it. Other people look. I, I think when when MLK and all the people during the civil rights movement were doing their thing, maybe they didn't think they had a an actual avenue for things to change. But eventually, people, a good amount of people did actually change. Now, was he still majority hated during his life and disapproved of? Yes. But to get that 25% approval or whatever he was at, that means something. Trump really only has, like, a lot of the times, like 30% approval ratings sometimes. But look right. how much that's meant. <clears throat> and and that's that's what we have to, you know, it's not, it's not just like... Um, optimism for optimism's sake it's it's a practical sort of optimism we operate like we can own and run this shit we operate like our lives fucking matter because they do so whatever we have to fight up against to prove that point and to reinforce it we do that's what we got to do it, it just is what it is so if people come on board i think people could come on board because i mean the, the guy was talking about my friend from law school, he's coming along, and he is someone who is who is wants to be as neoliberal as possible, you know. But right. the contradictions that are created by the system are being heightened each and every fucking day, and it gets harder and harder for people, especially when they're destitute, to sit there and lie to themselves about what's going on, and. A lot of the times, turns out, by having a systemic analysis of how all this shit works, we have the best solution. We have the best explanation for why shit's happening. And that's important. That's important because our explanations can actually explain how we got here. You know? So I, I don't want to underestimate that. Um, right on. All right. Let me let me get out of the way. Uh, thanks for... Yeah, know. man. Always a fucking yeah. pleasure, Derek. All right. Uh, cool. Always a pleasure. All right, homie. Kind of, I'll talk kind of curious with BK if uh, he went to high school in Malibu. I'm curious if he uh, went to school with uh, my crush, my great big crush. But uh, anyway, Ooh. I don't want to throw out a name, so I'll skip it. Okay. He's okay. Okay. Cool. Another day, then. <laughs> All right, BK. Why don't you round us out? Because I I gotta go do work and then work out again. <laughs> I wouldn't even know because high school in Malibu was like junior college like mm -hmm. everyone just showed up and like left 
Like, those kids at 16 had their own apartments. Like, that's part of why I think now, like, the age of majority, like, should be 16. Because they were just, like, like, I was the only, like, 13 of us were in my graduating class. And I was, like, the only one who went to college. Like, they were just off to do other rich kid shit. Anyway, yeah. uh, I didn't even know their names until, like, the graduation ceremony. Most of Damn. You were a bad kid, BK. <laughs> You're a uh, bad kid. <laughs> but okay, I'll be real quick. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I meant to bring it up earlier. That, uh, Christopher Ryan, he was on an episode of uh, Useful Idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking about it again lately because, like, uh, BJG's been saying that she might, like, debate... Uh, what's his name? And, uh, I mean, she already... Man Shapiro? Been... Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Man Shapiro? <laughs> Man, she would fuck him up. But, like, but like the thing that could, I don't know, like, he would be like, but capitalism's done so many great things. Capitalism, but, yeah, 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 yeah. She, she has like, an answer for that. Like, like that would be, I mean, I don't, I, I, I still haven't caught up on the Charlie Kirk thing, but I've been thinking that, um, like, yeah, she, she pieced the, him the, like, like Christopher Ryan's, like, newest, but I haven't read the, his newest book, but he's, like, famous in the polyamory community because of uh, Sex at Dawn, about, like, the history of, like, human sexuality and stuff. Oh, is that him? And, uh, okay. Yeah. Isn't that a trip? Uh, yeah, that is a trip. Wow. But yeah, on Useful Idiots, he, he was talking about how, you know, when, like, the conquerors got, or whatever, came to America, like, they wrote about how people lived, like, royalty. And the description reminded me, actually, of a description of a uh, <clears throat> like a tribe that still exists today in Africa. It was um, on the Chris Hayes podcast a couple mm-hmm. years ago because they were talking about how like calories are bullshit. Um, and they use this tribe as like a test case. And this guy was describing this tribe and he was like, no one tells anyone what to do. And they've like lived for, you know, they've existed for like thousands of years. Like they're prehistoric. And like on every continent, we have these like prehistoric people, you know? And yeah. so it's so weird that people are like, well, why don't you just go prove that like capitalism doesn't exist in some other way? Like we've had people just existing and like capitalism's new. Um, and like, it's crazy to like, but like before like imperialism, like destroyed everything. Like there was probably so much more medicine and food, but like, we believe that like we have it better now than we ever had. And that's the kind of like, like flipping the script we need to do. I feel like, um, but also about the Trump stuff. Like I actually said to my big trans household the other day, I was like, your big trans household. (laughs) I was like, if it's Trump Biden, big trans energy. (laughs) And they all like shocked. Like you're going to vote for Trump over Biden. And I was like, so like, yeah, uh, honestly, BK, I was. That's I, I think about that a lot too, though. Like the Trump was bad for trans people, and I think it's going to get worse if he gets back in. And part of me does not want like it's a selfish reason, but I don't like get the fuck out of here, man. You know, like get, I, I I don't want this motherfucker to be. I don't want this shit to continue. Well, why but, didn't I lose my like super sweet? trans health care through Obamacare under I mean did the Democrats really just save that for me I'm like I get the yeah, feeling yeah. that if it had been a different kind of Republican like maybe I wouldn't have 
gotten my super sweet trans healthcare for free from Washington State through Obamacare still. Yeah. Like, I know that it was, like, a special thing that Washington State did, but it's still federal money. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and I just think, and like, he's from New York, and, like, I don't know. Men as old as him, like, trans people and gay, they're, it's all the same. It's, like, those are the people that helped him shop and, like, did his hair and, like. Yeah, to him. But he's he's a pushover to the sycophants who he surrounds himself with. Yeah, but DeSantis is, what is a lawyer about, oh. who will know how to really fuck. Well, 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 DeSantis will will actually do the shit too. Obviously, DeSantis <laughs> is is a fucking terrible. DeSantis of all the people you could possibly vote for would be the worst. Even yeah, on is, the fucking yeah. Russia shit, he would keep doing the Russia shit. Yeah. If it this was dumb DeSantis, motherfucker, Biden, like, I would vote Biden. Yeah, uh, yes. If it's Trump Biden, I'm not going to vote Trump, but I'm I'm probably abstaining and voting third party to be honest. But I'm in Illinois, so what can you do? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, Illinois is going I'll to probably Biden. vote third party too. I'm just yeah, <laughs> but I, 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 but Derek, Derek is not. I want people to realize here that Derek is not like out of pocket with what he's saying here. He's really right. not. Like the 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 threat of nuclear war has been so fucking downplayed, which is fucking insane to me. I I can't. I can't even – it's hard to fathom just because we're talking about – I mean we spent 20 years in the Middle East and we're still there in ways from the September 11th attacks. What if New York was just gone? Okay, that was – how many people died in September 11th? 2,000 some odd about? Yeah, I mean I think Jade is right. I think it was 3K. Uh, I think it was 3,000. I think she's right that we'll just okay. – We'll, we'll we'll just adapt and, and <laughs> yeah, you know, like like Walt's speech and uh, Breaking Bad. Everyone's yeah. just going to move on from this horrific plane crash. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, all right, yeah. I'll uh, I'll let you go close your rings. Uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think I got to close out. I'm so I'm so sleepy. I am I'm ready to sleep. Um. So thank uh, you, it, BK. Do it. Self-care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, later. Uh, Brady, 10 seconds. Go. Go for it. Here's your moment. Sounds like we need a legitimate third party that's to the left of libertarians. You should totally check out my platform. Help me out however possible. <laughs> awesome. Good 10 seconds. Good 10 seconds. And, and enjoy... Uh, it's not impossible, man. We just had a ceasefire. By the way, we just had a ceasefire in Ukraine, so it's not impossible, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it is. And enjoy. It sounds like you're shaving your balls, so enjoy uh, doing <laughs> that. Cappuccino. I'm about to go to an open oh, okay. mic and turn it into an anti-war rally. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. We'll have fun with that. I, 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 uh, Cappuccino is not as exciting, but uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. <laughs> have fun in the rally. Okay. okay. Um, all right, so everyone, that's the that's today's show. I was only supposed to go two hours today, but if you all stopped having so many interesting things to say, I could maybe live a normal life on a Tuesday. But unfortunately for all of us, you're all very interesting and have a lot of really good points, and I learn a lot. So uh, thank you. <laughs> and um, just to kind of go out uh, with... BK suggestion about how we need to reverse that shit. Let me leave you with uh, an all-time classic. 
Oh, yeah. Y'all feel that revolutionary energy? Ready to flip that shit on these motherfuckers? Y'all motherfuckers ready? That's right, we're going to put the pussy on him. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, 